welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Cameron Snape and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-hosts Kira Jade Oppitz and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around and sign up for a membership. There are no late fees, but unreturned tapes will be hunted down by Pac-Man. That son of a gun will chew the heart straight out of you while you're still alive. This is Weird Kid Video. business i don't have any old i don't business. think so i feel like an old man does that count mm, how do you feel like having it medium rare <laughs> the bad taste. medium rare no actually i want it well done old man well done chewy the, uh, old man the intergalactic taste sensation <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see if kira's recovered from bad taste um yeah i've recovered <laughs> <laughs> bad taste was a lot of fun man was it <laughs> yeah, let's not rate. We already did it. Let's not rehash. New business then. New business. New business. New business. Fucking great new business. This week, it's time to be nice until it's time not to be nice. Mm-hmm. We are talking about Roadhouse from 1989. You are the bouncers. I am the cooler. Dirty Dancing's Patrick Swayze heats up the screen with cocktails Kelly Lynch, Ben Gazzara, and Sam Elliott. It's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. He's been stabbed, shot at, and has broken almost every bone in his body. I thought you'd be bigger. Opinions vary. He's an expert. Taking out the trash. Hey, Hank, you know who that is? Patrick Swayze is Dog. I have a guy like you in the box. Just lucky, I guess. You lose some kind of life, Dog. Too ugly for you. Insane. For Dalton, danger was always part of the job. Yeah, and I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> Fight that. But now, it's more than just business. Yes, your hands will give. He's taking and taking until somebody takes him. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. But sometimes, even tough guys need more than a fight, as Dalton finds out when he meets the sexy Kelly Lynch. Keep talking, you're going to go off thinking of a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. If somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. You're too stupid to have a good turn. Ask him to walk. Be nice. If he won't walk, walk him. But be nice. Escort this gentleman to the door. I want you to be nice. Until it's time to not be nice. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> you get one. <laughs> that was it. That's okay. the only time okay, you're okay, allowed okay. to do it. For starters, it's not your bit. I know. <laughs> true, true. I thought the pause was there for me. <laughs> the pause is there so I can cut the trailer in, motherfucker. Okay, okay. okay. We can cut this, cut this. You can cut that out the whole way through. No, no, no. Your admonishment is staying on the podcast. <laughs> you get one. That was it. It's done. Won't happen again. It's done. We're moving on. <laughs> 
Directed by Rowdy Harrington. What a name. I know. Is his actual name Rowdy? I don't know. Like Rowdy Roddy Piper? (laughs) Like Rowdy Roddy Piper, yeah. Gotta be, right? I don't know. I I could not tell you. Directors don't have stage names. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. That was a joke, <laughs> clearly. Okay. No, <laughs> nice, nice attempt at a save. Don't try to fucking gaslight us, my, my podcast. <laughs> Both of you just were like looking at me like, like what no. the fuck? <laughs> he started in the electrics department on movies. So that's mad. He was in like the lighting and grip department on movies. Oh, that's um, what the electrics on, department is. <laughs> yeah. He worked on Humanoids of the Deep. <laughs> cult classic Repo Man with Emilio Estevez. Tank Ting. He was the best boy electric on A Nightmare on Elm Street. Hey, did you know that? No. Okay. All right. I know the, I know I'm slightly answers. disappointed. I know answers to some of these, but like there are people who I know would love answers to some of these questions. What's a gaffer, guys? He's the head of the lighting department underneath the director of photography or cinematographer. What's a grip? Grip is anything that the camera needs to be attached to, anything that needs to be built in order for the camera to do to do stuff. So like scaffolding, rigs, all of that kind of stuff. That's what right. grips build. I actually only thought that was okay. So that's like that's like in different departments. Yes. Aha, uh-huh, I didn't know that. Grip is camera support and gaffer is the head of the lighting department. Yeah. The best boy electric is underneath the gaffer in the lighting in the lighting department. Only in the electrics. Okay. Oh yeah, you can have a best boy grip. It's a yeah. title. It's not a job. Ah, yeah. see, I didn't know that either. Film talk. Film talk. Thanks, guys. You started those questions with I know the answers to these from <laughs> other people. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I don't know as much as I think I know. <laughs> His first movie as a director was Jack's Back with James Spader about a Jack the Ripper copycat. Stalking LA in the 1980s. I mean, that sounds that fun. sounds interesting. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And then after this, he directed Gladiator, which hey. we saw the Fuck. on the Taking of Beverly Hills. Oh wait, not the Gladiator with. Um, That's a Ridley Scott film. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. I should know that. I should know that. There is so much trouble today. <laughs> just you're gonna do not do not. Do you're gonna get so, you're just gonna get detention. You have to know what Ridley and Tony Scott movies are. Oh, I know, I know. I'm Kim sorry. Guys. will murder you in your sleep. I, I do love, I do love Ridley. I think the first, if I ever have a child, will probably be named Ridley. But yeah, sorry, sorry. He directed Striking Distance with Bruce Willis, which is a notorious flop. And four more movies after that, but nothing worth talking about. His last credit is from 2004. In jail or just not doing anything? I think he's older, obviously. Ah, okay. And then I think that he doesn't make hit movies. Cool. And then people stop asking him to make movies. Cool, 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 cool. It's generally the way it goes. Written by David Lee Henry and Hilary Henkin. From a story by David Lee Henry. David Lee Henry is a pseudonym for the novelist R. Lance Hill. He has a few interesting credits. He wrote the Charles Bronson movie, The Evil That Men Do. And he also wrote a movie that I reviewed on Letterboxd as powder-coated, sun-bleached, sleaze noir, wild, unhinged, a good time. He directed 8 Million Ways to Die with Jeff Bridges, the dude. Oh, my God. It's like this sleazy murder mystery. He's a private detective thing. It's fucking Fuck great. Yeah. Do not look it up. It's on the list. Oh, man. <laughs> On the list. Can it be soon? That sounds amazing. Yeah, Jeff Bridges is my hero. I gotta find a tape. Yeah, I know that. After this, he wrote a Steven Seagal movie, Out for Justice, in 1991, which is his final film credit. Hilary Hankin, she wrote Fatal Beauty, Whoopi Goldberg's attempt to make a Beverly Hills Cop movie from the 1980s. (laughs) Dope. It's fun. I haven't seen that movie since I was a child, but when I was a kid, I liked that movie. I don't know if it holds up. Okay. 
And then after Roadhouse, she produced and wrote a movie called Romeo is Bleeding with young Gary Oldman and wrote the adaptation of the novel Wag the Dog for the movie, which was rewritten by David Mamet. And I like that movie. Yeah, she had that's, to. F- that's one of the movies that I like. That's a good movie. Yeah, with like the dog. It sounds familiar. You've not seen it? No, it's, a good it's about one. a political, it's a, good time. a political operative that stages a fake war for the media to distract from a scandal. Yeah. Fuck yeah! It's in all like of these a, movies sound amazing. It is. It goes. I think that movie goes off the rails at the end, but it's I don't a good, care. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Um, is that on the list? It can be. It would be very, very low on the list. Mm. So like it's not. It's a movie I saw when I was a teenager. So I don't know if it really fits the profile. But eventually, we're going to run out of movies and start just doing whatever. Yeah, she had to fight to remain credited on that movie because they wanted to give the director and the and David Mamet wanted to give David Mamet sole credit, right. and so she fought to get David Mamet wanted to give David Mamet sole credit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he would, wouldn't he? He's David Mamet. What's mm. interesting is her last film writing that I could find was uncredited. <laughs> She did some work on V for Vendetta. Oh, hey. uh, fuck yeah. Which makes sense. For being uncredited? Or? No, because V for Vendetta was produced Political. by Joel Silver, who produced this movie. Oh. Uh. And we've got to talk about Joel Silver. Do you okay. guys know? That's a name I've seen around. You've de- Silver Pictures, you've seen that logo okay. for a large portion of your life. Uh-huh. Joel Silver, aside from being the basis of the cocaine fueled producer Lee Donowitz in the Tony Scott and Quentin Tarantino film True Romance based on his behavior during the making of another Tony Scott movie. Fuck yeah. He's basically the producer of my childhood in cinema. Okay. He produced, and these, again, I've shortened a list because these are only the films of his that I like or feel like would be relevant to the podcast. He produced... Brewster's Millions, Weird Science, Commando, Jumping Jack Flash, Lethal Weapon and its sequels, Predator, Action Jackson, Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, Ricochet, The Last Boy Scout, Demolition Man, Executive Decision, The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, The Matrix Revolutions, all of the Dark Castle movies from the early 2000s, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, V for Vendetta, Ninja Assassin, Sherlock Holmes and its sequel, The Losers, Ninja Assassin, Nonstop and... The Nice Guys. So basically every Everything. movie I've ever seen. Snot and Coke the whole time. What a <laughs> fucking hero. Allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, what a fucking hero. You, you'd fucking have to be to get that many hits on, down on paper. Yeah, he's also got a reputation for not being the most savory dude. So I wouldn't call him um, a hero. He's a legend, but I wouldn't call him a hero. He's a, a mythic, yes. let's say. Mythic is, mythic, a good, is a good word. But m- myths can also be about... Not savory people. Yes. And on television, he did lots of stuff as well. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, which I'm going to like bang the drum on Tales from the Crypt and can somebody please release that stuff in HD because it's incredible. And Veronica Mars. What? It's a producer on Veronica Mars. Like, I don't know. I just just mentioned it because Kira loves Veronica Mars. It's just all of it. I mean, it's a great show. He's also executive producer in a ton of movies. Streets of Fire, the Tales from the Crypt movie, Demon Knight, which we, I've got to find that tape because we need to watch Demon Knight. Do Um, we need to have already watched the Tales of the Crypt? No, you do not. Okay, because that's a lot of homework. But we will do Tales from the Crypt as a TV. <laughs> we t- should because- We will definitely I, do Tales from the Crypt as a TV corner. Yeah. yeah. So, I know a lot about that show, but I haven't watched it, so right. I would well, love to- Well, that's definitely an episode Brody needs to be on. Yeah. yeah. And it goes on and on and on. Like his credits just go on forever. Well, it sounds kind of, like it would. <laughs> about 2016, he kind of slows down. Because he's um, an old man by then, surely. Yeah. And he's yeah. made millions, surely. Starring Patrick Swayze as Dalton. Oh, holy fuck, guys. Can I just say- like, it's, is Swayze a new discovery for you? Not new. Look, I always had respect and love for Swayze. And what I realized is 
A, I didn't realize how fucking sexy he is. B, he's got this swagger of like, uh, uh, uh. Sorry? No, no, no. I'm just, I'm nodding because I, because I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about his he's, swagger. He's got the swagger of the dude. Like he, he seriously does. Like he has yeah. the Zen qualities. Like yeah. it's fucking amazing. The next thing in my notes is Swayze is one of my guys. He's fucking magnetic. I'll tell you who would be fucking chill to hang out with. Jeff Bridges, Swayze and Neo. Fucking uh, Keanu Reeves. Those three hanging out. Yeah, that's a dinner party I'd like to be. Yeah. Oh, my God. They would be just the happiest, chillest people to be in a room with. I honestly think that Swayze might be one of the coolest motherfuckers to ever walk the silver screen. And I don't think he gets the love he deserves. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking wild. People Uh, love him, don't they? Isn't he like one of the people that people love? It's also a bit of a joke. Yeah, he is. Why there was is a period a of time. We'll talk about it. There okay. was a period of time where he was a little bit of a little bit of a joke. Today, we're going to nail it. His altar and play blood tribute to my man. Yeah, <laughs> let's do I think it. This podcast is taking a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Hedonistic rituals. Yeah. He had worked in TV and as a dancer. Um, he has a dance. I mean, background, that makes sense. sense right? So many action people like worked as dancers. They should because yeah. it's movement. It's martial yeah. arts and dance and choreography and shit. Yeah. yeah. His first memorable appearance was on Mash as a soldier with cancer. No. Yep. And then his he movie. You have been quite young in that. Yeah, he was really young. And then his kind of movie break was The Outsiders with every other fucking male movie Yelp. star of the 1980s. Yelp. Coppola just knew how to cast. Cast that movie, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise and his original teeth and Diane Lane. <laughs> swoon. You know, Ellie started doing that to me about random shit now. Just saying swoon? Yeah. It's fucking, it's permeating throughout my whole fucking it's, life. It's a word that definitely needs to come back into the zeitgeist. <laughs> People need to swoon more. But she's saying it about unreasonable shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Swayze, after that, Swayze was in Red Dawn and Youngblood, which are both movies I kind of like. And yeah. of course, Dirty Dancing, which Kira saw for the first time this year. I did. And that movie fucking rules. Fight yeah. me. It was a good time. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, it's it's a good movie. It's a movie that has a bad rep. It has a reputation because of Don't Put Baby in a Corner, right? Yeah. Every, which is kind of a cheesy line. Like I, I feel like I know it. Nobody so puts much. baby, whatever the yeah. fuck it is. Anyway, but it is a great movie. That's it's the a one legitimately with, um, good movie. With Ferris Bueller's sister and they yeah, did Jennifer the lift. Gray. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen bits of it. Yeah. Everybody's seen bits of it. Yeah. I'd is seen that bits the of it. dance one where he like goes, is that the one that like Hot Rod takes off where he like does the angry dancing in a. Factory? No. That's no. Footloose. Footloose. Ah, okay. See, I get those confused. Yeah. Well, they're around the same era. Okay. Um, he was also a musician and singer. Ah. He had a hit on the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, She's Like the Wind. She's like the wind through my tree. She rides the night next to me. He sings that? Yes, that is Patrick Swayze. You didn't know that? Kira knows that song because I own that song on vinyl. Yeah. I have the single of that song on vinyl. That Uh, is Patrick Swayze. Unsurprising because his voice, like he's just regular speaking voice, is fucking like sexy. You know, like it's smooth. It's got a timbre to it. Get ready. Strap in in for the objectification of Patrick Swayze. Coming to you on Weird Kid Video. I mean, this whole film is a little bit like objectifying the beautiful human form. Next of Kin, Ghost with Demi Moore. 
than oh, the, yeah. the the ceramics scene. Mm. Over and over. <laughs> the ceramics. Fucking point break. Point oh break. my god! Fucking point break. That just broke my brain. I totally forgot. This Fuck. movie. This movie has another connection to Point Break, Fucking which I Bodie. learned. Who is him? Point- he's Bodie. He's Bodie. He's Keanu Reeves. He's, he's the going bad to ride guy. the never-ending wave, man. He is too. Yeah. <laughs> Something just unlocked within Kira's brain. I don't think I knew that was Welcome. Patrick Swayze step when into, I watched. Step into the cult of Swayze. Even as an old man, he was a, well. He's not even old. an old man. This is, dude, that's Older. two years after this. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> two years. Is that seriously? It's 1991. He looks like a fucking, like, young 20-year-old in this. And in okay. that, he looks like an older 30-year-old. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm not saying that's an old man because I'd be calling myself an yeah. old man. But like, I, which I actually did at the start yeah, of this movie. We must continue. Okay. We must Star continue Trek on City. the past. I think they just made him look a bit more grizzled because of the yeah. type of character he was. Yeah. And he wasn't meant to be old. We must continue on the path to the cult of Swayze. His star faded a little bit through the 90s, but he did keep working. And then he kind of had a little bit of a, like a comeback role in a movie in which he wore his own wardrobe from the 1980s. Donnie Darko. <laughs> Holy shit. I fucking forgot. Oh my God. He's so easily hateable in that movie. Yeah. He's great in that movie. Yeah. He's, he's wearing all of his own clothes from the 1980s. Yeah. Just like tucked in polo shirts and high waisted no, pants. No, like big pants, big pants. Yeah. High waisted big pants. Yeah. And like colors and stuff and yeah. jackets and things. They're yeah. all from his wardrobe. His wife went into his wardrobe <laughs> with the costume designer and they just pulled stuff out because that movie set in like 1988. Yeah. It's set the year before this movie. <laughs> I mean, that makes costume yeah. a bit cheaper. Oh, yeah, you can just use and, your own stuff. And then he continued to work through the 2000s, but not on anything that we would talk about on the pod, on the podcast. And he was on a TV show called The Beast, which he got really good reviews for, but had pretty low viewership. The Beast. When he was diagnosed with pancreatic oh, cancer right. and he died in 2008. That sucks, Sad. man. I think about him as kind of like a... Um, Kind of like a Michael Keaton in the not similar in terms of acting or whatever, but a dude that was like the man for a little period of time yeah. and then went away and then has come back again because Keaton's yeah. come back in the past couple of years. I feel like Swayze would have come back and he just has a vibe about him. Yeah. That is, that's incredible. I'm confused about earlier you were like, oh, there was a period of time where he became a joke, but that list of movies, no, he didn't. Ghost, yeah, no, Ghost was laughed at. He was in movies that were financially successful, critically savaged. And, right. and he was treated like the scene in Ghost with the ceramics was parodied forever. It became well, yeah. a joke. Yeah. So he's in lots of dirty dancing. The lift, the yeah. the baby line, it became a joke in pop culture. He's in a lot of movies where the stuff that he was in was not taken seriously on its own merits. It was made fun of within the pop within the popular culture. Right. Yeah. So he was kind of like a like Patrick Swayze is kind of like a Kevin Bacon as well. Yeah, in the in the especially in the in the nineties, he's he was never taken really seriously. He's always kind of been kind of laughed at through his, through his career. But that that happened so with nice. like male leads in that time, don't you reckon? Like they had the they had the footloosers, they had the like the real romantic like I'm bearing my soul things, and then they had the like tough guy things as well. Yeah, and they just like that's well, a kind of combination for I'm, parody. Later, I'm going to talk a little bit about about where he sits in the kind of pantheon of act, of, of of tough guy actors in this period of time. Yeah, but I want to get into it as we're kind yeah, of talking, cool. as we're kind of talking through the movie. Ben Gazzara as Brad Wesley. I do not have time to do this career, this guy's career justice. He Seen has hundreds everywhere. of hundreds yeah. of credits. He worked a lot with uh, John Cassavetes, Nick yeah. Cassavetes from The Wraith's Father. Ah. Uh, who was an indie 
movie producer and, and actor. Um, Killing of a Chinese Bookie is a very famous film that Gazzara was in. That's a great name. It's a great name that Casavetes <laughs> directed. I've never seen it. It's one of my cinematic black holes yeah, okay. that I really should have got to. Um, he also he also worked with Peter Bogdanovich quite a bit, directed TV occasionally. He directed an episode of Columbo, and I love me some Columbo. And to be honest, the only other movie that of his that we will likely cover on this podcast is The Big Lebowski because he is Jackie Treehorn, no, the porn mogul in The Big Lebowski. He fucking is too. God damn it, Kane, I love you. Yeah. Oh. Always making those connections. Thank you. Kelly Lynch as Elizabeth Doc Clay. Her breakout role was Cocktail. Oh, right. She's yep. Brian Brown's wife in, in Cocktail. That's our doctor, yeah? Yeah. Wow. Looking respectfully, but God damn. I, those legs go four days. She worked pretty consistently. Since then, in movies and TV, but not on anything that we're going to talk about. Like, just not in movies that we were talking about. I mean, we're going to talk about cocktail, but yeah. not anything else. Unless I get really desperate and buy the tape of Curly Sue. Um, and if that happens, I might as well just return to the sea. Uh, <laughs> her role was originally cast to be played by Annette Benning, but I know she, that name. Yeah, okay. you would know her from stuff. She's in American Beauty. Oh, right. She's the mother in American Beauty. Okay. Uh, oh, that's the yeah. first thing that jumps in my head. But she's in lots of she's in lots of stuff. But she was fired because she had no chemistry with Swayze. <laughs> This is, uh, I found very little, little chemistry, chemistry with her, regardless. But I think that they, yeah, we'll talk about Kelly Maybe Lynch in this movie. Okay, okay. Yeah. Other cast, of course, I will talk about as they appear. And fuck me, I have a lot of other casts to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> trailers, no trailers. No, no trailers. trailers. It's a retail tape. It's a. It's from the MGM Collectors series. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. Like, why... Are there tapes with no trailers sometimes when it's like they're trying to sell this We've stuff? talked about this on the podcast before. Rental tapes tend to have lots of trailers. Retail tapes, they just put the movie on there. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm it, sure that I have retail tapes that have trailers. Not, not every retail tape. It's like a, ch- it's a cheap retail tape. It's right. also like a tape that came out. So this tape is not a tape that came out when the movie came out. It's a tape that came out years later when they're just trying to sell the movie. Yeah. yeah. So they don't really give a fuck about putting trailers for, for other movies on it right. because they're not going to be contemporaneous with that movie does it have any does it ever have anything to do with how long the movie is because obviously there's only a certain amount of room on there's a tape. about interesting you can fit just under three hours on a vhs tape on a standard vhs so if it's a three-hour movie it's probably not going to have well any famously famously titanic is on two tapes oh yeah it is two isn't it oh yeah i forgot they did that titanic on vhs is in a double box because you have to you have to switch the movie <laughs> Fuck, that's so funny. Oh, dear. Who is going to recap the premise of Oh, I forgot that's something we do. I'm going to start preparing for this. (laughs) You should both Uh, just write premises. Yeah. You should write log lines. And then we can compare. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Go for it. Uh, This movie is about Patrick Swayze being a bouncer in a, or actually he's a cool down. Cooler. Cooler. He's a cooler in a uh, in a in a bar that is out of control, and then people get really pissed off about petty things, and then people die. Mm-hmm. Zen and the art of nightclub management. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the blockbuster guide to movies and videos from the year 1998. The entry for Roadhouse reads as such. Once again, I forgot to read this, <laughs> so who knows? Roadhouse bouncer slash philosophy student Swayze cleans up Missouri town run by Gazara. Violent action, best for Swayze fans. Lynch does the best she can in a thankless role as Swayze's most ardent admirer. Two stars. That's that's rough for how much fun is in this movie. Looking at contemporary reviews, no Janet Maslin. Yeah. 
This movie was fucking savaged by critics. Yeah? Fucking savage. And was not a massive hit when it came out in the cinema. It did okay money. Yeah. It's a movie that found an audience on VHS. I pulled one review, but I could have just pulled any random review because they're all bad. I couldn't find any contemporary good reviews for wow. this movie. So this one is from Dave Kerr of the Chicago Tribune from May of 1989. I was actually taken back by the amount of bile that was spat at this movie. Roadhouse is Instant Camp, a film that strains to certify Dirty Dancing's Patrick Swayze as the sex bomb of the century, but wildly overplays its hand. The results would be perfectly hilarious if not for the wide strain of sadism that underlies the action. Dalton was a busy man, but never too busy not to find the time to pose laboriously and shirtless before director Rowdy Harrington's camera, his oiled biceps bulging as he thoughtfully turns the page of a Jim Harrison novel. The more or less overt homoeroticism of these pin-up shots is nothing new to action films. It surfaced notoriously in the locker room sequence of Top Gun, but Roadhouse pushes it to new extremes. There is little for punitive female love interest, Kelly Lynch. The film's physical passion is concentrated in the extremely violent fights, which feature much thrusting of phallic knives and vicious kicks to the groin. Pain becomes the film's most exquisite sensual pleasure. In fetishizing Swayze, Harrington seems to have tried to combine the star qualities of Tom Cruise, introspective, prettiness, with those of Schwarzenegger, outscaled power, apparently hoping to appeal to the empathetic tastes of both teenage girls and teenage boys. What results is a monstrous hybrid of grotesquely implausible oversized characters that throughout overshadow the poor actor himself. Left to his own devices, in Red Dawn, for example, Swayze seems to be a sympathetic, self-effacing performer who doesn't take naturally to the attentions of the camera. Yeah. That's mean. What the fuck? I like a savage review, but I like a biting savage review that has wit. This is just a fucking sledgehammer at Swayze. Yeah, this is a fucking thesis on how fucked this movie is. Like, But, like, some of his points, kind of spot on, but, like, also fucking... Ease up on how bad they are. You know what I mean? So my thing is always, you need to approach the movie where it lives, right? Yeah. This is a movie. Yeah, well said. This is a movie that is a piece of adult, lurid, sleazy entertainment. And it knows that. Yeah. And it plays to those strengths. Yeah. And so if you come to that movie and accept that that's what the movie is and that's where it lives, then what the fuck is this review? Fucking oath. That is, is spot on. Like, this movie is fucking silly and camp. Yes. Treat it like a silly fucking camp movie. Exactly. Then. Like, I understand, like, being on board and not being on board, right? Like, you either buy into a movie or don't buy into a movie. But this movie lets you know what it is in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, it, there's no... Hi- this movie doesn't hide its hide its silliness from you. Oh, but also the bit about how it's like, oh, it's homoerotic and it's thrusting phallic-shaped knives at each other. It's like... Fuck off. That's, that yeah, that says more about the reviewer than yeah. 100%. But also. That's not in the text. Like, also, there are movies every, where that's in the text, and this yeah. is not one of them. But also, every <laughs> action hero with someone with their shirt off and oiled, it's slightly homoerotic. That's what I'm coming for. Like, <laughs> phrasing, phrasing, that was terrible. But that's what I'm here to watch, like, a little bit. I want this to be a hero built up, showing his muscles. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, Swayze's fine in this movie. He's not not he, acting. He, he's really good at he, it. Yeah. He, the review is like, oh, he doesn't, he's not good with the camera. He's not ready for the camera or whatever it was that they said. And yeah. it's like, what? He's fine. He's He yeah. does a good job. He's, an, he's the hero of the film and he acts like it. Like, what do you want, for, want him to do? Yeah. 
Like, and I just watched Predator and the amount of posing that is in that movie, the amount of fucking posing that is in that movie by like all the like starting troop. That movie is just, is just a dude pinup magazine for like the first half, first half. There is literal points where like Arnold is doing the unnatural like bodybuilding flexing. So you can like see parts of his abs that you couldn't. The the level of testosterone in that movie is one of the reasons I love that movie. But also like. It's off the charts. Like what is, it's an action movie. Like this is what we got to digest. It's an action movie. Guys are there to see guys who are massively jacked. Like that's kind of homoerotic. Get over it. It's part of the action culture. Available to watch pretty much everywhere that MGM Plus exists in your country because it's an MGM movie. So here it's on, you can bundle it as part of Amazon Prime in Australia. There's also a Blu-ray that's around, but I couldn't find it in Australia. So I don't know, but it's on MGM Plus and we have MGM Plus. It's a famous, famous movie, right? It's got to be everywhere. Yeah, it's a movie. It's a movie that permeates through the culture. That Family Guy is still making fun of 10, 15 years after it came out. Yeah, <laughs> I think there are fans of this movie that exist and I think that it's existed. It's managed to kind of maintain its existence. And like we talked about last week, they're remaking it. There's a reason they're remaking it. I forgot it. you said that. Jack Hall. They started shooting this week. Amazing. Photo of a slate this week. Yes. Somewhere in the Bahamas. He's an ex-MMA fighter in the movie. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. I fucking love Jack I'm interested. I'm interested. My backstory with this movie. This is a Sunday afternoon movie. This is going to the video store and picking up Roadhouse and going back to my grandparents' house and watching it with my father. It very much made an impression on me as a child. I saw it a bunch of times. But like I said, it's it's also a movie I remember becoming a joke. It's the Zen Buddhist bouncer movie. Yeah. It has it does have elements that you can make fun of if you if you're so if you're so inclined. I mean the blurb we read on the back of this tape has a taste of the like parody in yeah. it already. Yeah. And in my brain, I think over the years I might have bought into the joke a little bit. I thought it was kind of a sillier movie than it than it actually is. But I've revisited it quite a few times in the past few few years and fell back in love with it. I've seen it recently. Like it's not even something that I saw a long time ago. I watched this movie this year. Let's do a roadhouse. Fuck yeah. Do we want to do a roadhouse? Let's do As a, a roadhouse. Team? Yeah. We'll do it together. One, two, three. Roadhouse. Oh, fuck you. I don't think that's what he meant. <laughs> oh. I think he meant the podcast. Let's just talk about Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Stop playing with my emotions. We, we open as the credits play over a red Ferrari pulling into the car park of a nightclub, and we follow a woman craning up from her feet to her skin-tight, swirling yellow dress. The hair. The hair is big. <laughs> and Frank Tillman, played by Kevin Tighe, Murder One. Yes, you've seen him recently as the uh, d- private detective in Murder Walk. I've forgotten his name. Dave. Dave Blaylock in Murder yep. One. Yeah, there we go. We got there. Lots of TV. He's a TV guy. Is this our club owner? Yeah, Frank. Yeah. He's John Locke's father in Lost. Oh, yeah, he is too. That steals John Locke's kidneys. Yeah. Spoilers for a TV show that's been off the air for 10 years. <laughs> he saunters in like he's the fucking bad guy. Yeah, yeah, he does a little bit. See, yeah, he really does. He's not trustworthy. He's but not, he's not the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. The whole time he's like, I feel like you're going to double cross us. He arrives in a limo and then inside the n- nightclub on stage is a band rocking out. This is the Cruzados led by Tito Levera, whose next band, 
Tito and the Tarantula, are the house band at the Titty Twister in From Dust Till Dawn. I thought he looked familiar. Yes. Oh my God, yes. Vindication. Yes. Oh, sorry. He's I also in, look that up. He's also in Desperado. He's a bartender in Desperado. Uh-huh. Frank walks in and kind of watches the action. He spots Dalton. I love the shot that introduces uh, him. So he's hot. like like bopping to the music. It's side-on. It's a Steadicam shot that kind of sweeps around. And then you hear a glass break on the soundtrack and he whips his head to where the sound comes from and you instantly learn about that dude. Mm. It's just nice, quick, shorthand filmmaking. At a table, there's a douchebag propositioning a woman laying a hundred bucks on the table. She stabs the money with a nail file, insulted. He kicks her chair and some bouncers grab him and his mate. Dalton comes over and calmly asks them to leave. Are you sure it's a nail file? I thought it was like some weird little knife. It's a nail file. That's what a nail file looks like. Okay. Because I wondered what the fuck that was. I was like, where did she just pull this like weird, like futuristic looking knife from? On the VHS, it's probably a little murky. Okay. In the HD version on MGM Plus, watch the movie twice. And now files. Very clear. Okay. Yes. The douchebag apologizes. And then when the bouncers let him go, he grabs the nail file and slashes at Dalton. And Dalton barely reacts to being wounded. Yeah. The douche wants to fight him. I've always wanted to. T- I've, I've always, always wanted to try you, Dalton. Yeah, outside. <laughs> they walk outside, and once out there, Dalton just turns around and walks back inside. And I love, I love how he Dalton. just laughs, yeah. and then yeah. everyone just laughs. This is great. It was definitely a good introduction to the character. It gives you all the information you need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just it's exposition through just action. Yeah, which is fantastic. Uh, out the back, he's stitching himself back up. Yeah, of course. Which also. Tells you who he is. Yeah. Frank lets himself in to the back room and lays out the situation. He owns a club called the Double Deuce outside of Kansas City. It's the kind of place where they sweep the, up the eyeballs after closing. And he wants Dalton to clean the place up. He needs the best. Wade Garrett's the best. Wade Garrett's old. I want you. Still the best, though. Chekhov's Wade Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> they make a deal, including medical. 5000 up front, 500 a night cash. You pay all medical expenses. I can live with that. Including medical benefits? I mean, it makes sense. I mean, 500 a night. Jesus Christ, I'd be a cooler. <laughs> was it 500 a night? 500 a night. No, I didn't write down the exact dollar. <laughs> I didn't write that down. I think it was a Was night. it 500? I thought it was 500 a month. No, I'm pretty sure it was 500 a night. That's why he's so fucking rich. Dalton gives him the rules. He runs the show, and when the job, job is done, he walks, and Frank's got a plane ticket, but he doesn't fly. It's too dangerous. That is the beginning well kind of the beginning of some of the ridiculous things that are said and done in this movie. And then as he walks out the door. I thought you'd be bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, creepy. There's some creepy shots in this. Creepy? Yeah, he like, like just as he's like about to go out the door, he's like, I thought you'd be bigger. No, that's really not how that plays. No, it does. (laughs) It does. Fuck you guys. Dalton pulls up to a garage in his piece of shit car, gets out and throws the keys to a homeless gentleman and says, keep it. No? Yeah. No recognition of any kind. That homeless homeless gentleman, that homeless gentleman is Chino Fats Williams. He is Slappy from Iron Eagle. On the Iron Eagle episode, I mentioned that he was in this movie. Oh. The restaurant owner? I was about to say, he did not age well. (laughs) No, that's not Lewis Gossett. Yeah. (laughs) It's the guy with the gravelly voice. He takes Doug, slap, uh, Chappie takes Doug to the, to that restaurant. restaurant. Oh yeah, yeah that guy. And yeah. he's like, Fuck. oh, you brought I a I appreciate you bringing some white folk yeah, into the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's also the truck driver at the beginning of Terminator. Ah, uh, why not just fucking sell the car? 
Like it would take you another day if you just go to a dealer. The money, the money doesn't matter to him. Yeah. And he's a nice person. He helps out his homeless friend. Yeah, okay. He pulls the cover off a Mercedes Benz, pops in his favorite tape and hits the road. Yeah. Is that meant to be like a real nice car? It's a real nice car, especially in the 1980s. It just looks like a a typical sedan. It's a Mercedes. I don't know. I didn't write down my topic. I'm not a car guy. I don't know what kind of car it is, but I do know that it's an expensive Mercedes Benz from the 1980s. Expensive compared to what? Everyday people drive. Yeah, right. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, I knew it was Mercedes Benz, but I was like, is this meant to be? He's like, I've got a fucking hot rod or something that I drive. No, it's that he's got money and he appreciates. He does own a a fine thing. What is with it? Like, like, why do they need to make him rich? It's not. I don't think it's about him being rich. I think it's about him. I thought it was about him being smart. It's just because show, yeah. it, it shows that he has his beat up car for when he's being a bouncer because he knows he's going to get trapped. And also that he's going to fuck up his car. Yeah, yeah it's that like, was a nice like he's aware of the situation and he can predict people's behavior a little bit and stuff yeah. like that. That's how I read it. it I also, don't know that that's right. It also plays into him being the best. Because he has, he's so good, he's so yeah. good that he owns a Mercedes. Yeah, right? okay. But also, it's clear as we will learn, he also doesn't care about that shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's not his main goal in life is not to collect pretty, get rich and collect pretty things. It's yeah. like an afterthought of his success as a as a being the best at what he does. Yeah, okay. And then in downtown Jasper, Dalton arrives in town and pulls up to the double deuce. Some bikers are very impressed with his with his with Dalton's car. What's wrong with Detroit as a meeting? <laughs> Why not buy American? Like it's weird in a small town to have a car that is not an American car. Oh, I didn't it's even pick up on that. It's line. part of like Reagan nationalism and buying American cars in Detroit because they're shipping all our jobs to elsewhere with these foreign cars. I fully it's didn't part even of the get politics that. Of the time. I thought he. I read that as like you're obviously not from here. Like why did you leave that place and come here? No, it's Detroit. They're talking about Detroit cars. They're talking about American <sighs> steel. I should have got that. As he gets to the door, a bouncer is throwing a patron out and he kind of is amused. Inside, he scopes the place and there's a band performing on stage behind a steel cage. Yep. The band is in a cage. The band is in a cage. It's a good touch. That's fucking awesome. I love that it's shit. Great. It's such a good touch. I like what they do with the with the club. There's a progression with the yeah. club that we'll yeah. talk about over time. And yeah. it's never pointed out. I do like that that happens in the background. It's just visual it's just visual storytelling. Is that band a real band? We'll talk about the band in a, in a second. Ah, yeah. awesome. Two bouncers ignore a fist fight to flirt with some some girls. Yeah, the place is a fucking dive. We see yeah. a waitress getting harassed. It's a very large dive. Yeah. yeah. Normally dive, dive bars that have that kind of atmosphere are usually smaller, physically smaller places. It's a yeah. movie bar. Yeah. It is very much a movie, movie bar. Another waitress is selling drugs. Dalton goes and takes his spot at the end of the bar and a blonde in a tight white dress eye fucks Dalton as she orders a vodka rocks. <laughs> yeah. And a smashed drunk guy asks her if she wants to get nippled and nipple. She tells him she can do that without him. <laughs> she goes back for seconds with Dalton. The drunk guy grabs her. There's a bouncer right there and he just fucks him up by throwing him into a table. Yeah. And then the bouncer tells Dalton if he's not drinking, he's out of here. That bouncer... Morgan is legendary hardcore deathmatch wrestler Terry Funk. What? That's Terry Funk. <laughs> That's Terry Funk. He's he looked a, familiar, but I thought he looked familiar because well, he kind he's of looks younger. Well, yeah, but you he, saw him when he was older. I feel like me, he's he been in familiar. other things too. Yeah, so to me, he looked familiar because he looks like your stepdad. He kind of looks like Dave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the innovator of the no ropes barbed wire, exploding barbed wire boards, and exploding ring time bomb deathmatch. What? 
Yeah. Death matches. He's a death <laughs> match. Do they actually explode? Yeah. Yeah. It's Holy like fuck. it's wrestling, so but real barbed wire a lot of the time. Holy yeah. fuck. Especially back then. He wrestled in NWA. Oh, uh, <laughs> it was a wrestling tournament called NWA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it still exists. Okay. It's on YouTube. Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins owns it. Hectic. All Japan. He was in WWF a couple of times. Kira would remember him as Mick Foley's tag team partner, Chainsaw Charlie, uh, when Foley was Cactus Jack. Yeah. Yeah, he came in and wrestled in, in, in WWF a couple of times, but didn't really last very long. He was in ECW. Of course. Yeah. And he had bit parts in in. Yeah, movies, I'm in, sure in I've movies. seen. He has mostly a very familiar a, face. Mostly he's a stunt guy, right? Because he's a wrestler. Right. He could do that stuff. He could do that stuff. And he's, he's still flown around. He had a stroke a couple of years ago, and, oh. and I don't think he's, he was doing particularly well. Hope he's doing okay. Yeah. So uh, shout out to, to Terry Funk. He's also like trained so many wrestlers. He's an absolute wrestling Mad. legend. Yeah, everybody loves Terry Funk. A waitress. Carrie Ann, played by Kathleen Wilhoyt. I think that's how her name is pronounced. Kira would know her as Liz Danes from Gilmore Girls. I do. It's Luke's sister. Is that it's the Luke's one sister that sings later? One that sings later yeah. uh, she was a little cutie. Yeah. She tells him not to let Morgan bother him and finds out that he's Dalton. You got a name? Yeah. Well, what is it? Dog. Oh my god. <laughs> Shit, I heard of you. Frank arrives and kind of wander, and wanders in, and the band is taking a break. Dalton goes over to the cage and surprises Cody, the band's blind guitarist and singer, who is played by Jeff Healy, who is really a musician. That is really the Jeff Healy band, and he is really blind. He looks familiar. So he, like, they're like semi famous. Yeah, he got famous and had some hits. I feel like I've this, seen him in play. This, in this era, he's a blind guy that plays a guitar sitting down, plays yeah. slide guitar sitting down. Is it slide? Because I swear there's some shots where he's not playing slide and it's he's a, playing it like a piano. It's a mix. It's, it's a mix. Of, it's a mix of stuff. Yeah, but he plays a guitar. Fucking talented. On his, on his lap. Yeah, he's great. Oh, the slide guitar when he's playing, when like he we first get introduced to him. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, all the way through the movie, that's really them. That's really his band. Really his band. Awesome. I love he's some slide a, guitar. Playing a role in the, in the movie. Yeah, this little introduction thing was a bit of a, kind of a bit of a almost character shift for Dalton because he kind of has this cute little like, shh, don't tell yeah. anybody and I'm going to sneak. And it's like, because you don't know that he knows this guy. It's like, well, wait, well, wait, what? <laughs> and yeah. then And then he like, Hey, it's me. I feel it's like it was of, a bit awkward. It's like well, if that if this scene happened later in the movie, I might have not bumped on it. But at the time, I was like, okay, this is a different exactly. side of your personality. In, in saying that, though, it was it, it wasn't it, a bad it, thing. It was just it, it was a little bit out of character from what we saw so far. All he's kind of been is stoic bartender yeah. dude so far. Really, yeah, we're going to see he has multiple sides. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you play pretty well for a blind white boy. <laughs> I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> they catch up as the rumor mill starts to churn about Dalton being it's the guy. At the yeah, end I love how everyone Dalton. just knows yeah. a fucking bouncer. Hey, Hank, you know who that is? Who? Once ripped his throat right out. Oh shit! He killed a guy once. He ripped his throat. Oh my god! Out. Hasn't a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> 
I imagine that part of that is that the owner has told them that this Dalton guy is coming, not just that word I, on the I, street is this is a good bouncer. I read that totally different. I read it like there's a bar network that know of people who are I think good. it's probably a can bit I, of both. Can yeah. I reframe it for you? He's the gunslinger coming to town. Yeah, um, yeah, I get it. the famous gunslinger coming to town. This is a Western. Yeah, of course it is. He's coming to clean up Dodge City. It's it's just taking that formula of formula of the Western. So that's what that's what it is. He's hmm. a myth and a legend. Yeah. People have heard stories of him Do you far, think he's far, really far and killed a guy? Yeah. <laughs> but like the thing is wait, are we talking about the actor or no. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Swayze? <laughs> no, Patrick Swayze legitimately kills a man during the making of this movie. <laughs> yeah, he rips his sword out. Um spoilers. <laughs> Well, we hear that. We hear that now. Apparently he ripped someone's throat out. I love movies where there's this make-believe of we're a bar. So there's a bar culture in network that we yeah. all know. I love the fake world. Yeah. Of, the fake world of bouncers in this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. Like a cooler's actually a cooler, thing. Coolers are a thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never heard of them ever before in It's my a life. very 80s term. Right. Yeah. Okay. But so it's like kind of like the, the head bouncer. Head yeah. bouncer? That's all it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense. You'd have to have someone who's in charge of all the other bouncers. Yeah, someone who keeps the cool heads out of all the meatheads. Mm. Yeah. A bartender asked Dalton his name. Coffee, black. <laughs> Fucking love it. And then at a table nearby, older drunk guy is telling this young dude that for 20 bucks he can kiss his wife's perfect boobs. <sighs> I love this fucking silly scene. <laughs> so stupid. So fucking good. The young dude's so excited and he goes over there and starts kind of squeezing her boobs. And we find out that's because he doesn't have 20 bucks. It was so good. Aren't you going to kiss him? Well, I would, but I don't have 20 bucks. Fucking brilliant. Chaos ensues. It's just an all out bar fight. Yeah. It's like, it's the Western saloon bar fight yeah. where they just clear everybody's, you know, they break every table. And Dalton just stands there he and just dodges and stuff. Yeah, it's wild. Frank spots Dalton and Dalton makes his way up to Frank's office with his coffee. I, I loved that little like finger guns like, hey, come on up. It was very smooth. Yeah. As Dalton is leaving Frank's office, Morgan confronts Dalton for not helping out. I heard you had balls big enough to come in a dump truck, but you don't look like much to me. <laughs> Opinions vary. <laughs> Fucking amazing. So good. I might be a fan of this movie. You think maybe? Just a little bit. <laughs> Uh, Dalton leaves and Morgan asks Cody what the deal is. Cody's got just surrounded by women. <laughs> I love yeah. that Cody's like, Cody's like the man. Dalton character, what's your story? Story is, you fuck with him and he'll steal your fate. Yeah. So far he hadn't shown me shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a he western. Gets some, he, gets some good, he gets some good lines. It's a yeah, western. Yeah, there's some, there's some fucking dialogue in here that even though kind of silly, it's fucking great. But uh, like I said... I think it knows. Yeah. It's not like the movie is treating it too seriously. Yeah. And like you said, it is a Western that they're just putting a modern skin on. And you'd get those lines in a Western. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't feel out of place in a Western. They feel out of place here because it's a modern skin, but they're doing a Western. At a car yard, Don buys another shitbox car for the sticker price, gets himself a couple of spare tires from a junkyard, and then heads over to a nice barn loft on the river to rent it from a farmer named Emmett. This fucking loft, man. I like this loft. Holy hey, fucking those hell. Those giant windows that open oh, up into, so like, good. into air or onto a roof. Like, I'm Holy totally down Holy shit, with, and down it's fucking that. massive. It's huge. Emmett, the older farmer gentleman, asks Dalton if he's honest. Yes. You expect me to believe that? No, Emmett's sir. Emmett's so sick. He's a good, he's, he's good fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. I fucking love me. There's a lot of it. fun like character actors in this yeah. in this movie. From the loft windows, Dalton watches as directly across the river in a mansion, a helicopter does some circles and spooks Emmett's horses. In the copter is Brad Wesley. Emmett and Dalton come to terms and kind of make friends. A hundred bucks a month. I would yeah. love to pay Holy that fuck. much rent. rent? Also, Americans pay, pay rent in months, which has always been really weird to me. Mm. But also, like, how's the line? It's like, I I don't get it, but it's so fucking good. I've got to charge you something or the The church. Presbyterian church will, will think that I'm... Yeah. It ain't the money, you understand, but if I don't charge you something, the Presbyterians around here like to pray for my ruination. How does $100 a month strike you? So what is that line about? It's just about, like, well, I've got to... I've got to is it something like? Because he says that nobody wants the place. Nobody, yeah. Everybody keeps know. looking it's at just, it. And doesn't it's just it. like character work. Mm. All everything in this, like all the little details, all the character dynamics, and even the small kind of scenes where people meet each other for the first time. There's always a bit of fun business. To That's things. really true. That's really true. There's, there's when he meets business, Red later, every single meeting is really nice. They've got character to them. Right? Yeah. Like so, it's not just perfunctory like expositiony right stuff. You can see the the personalities of the pe- of the people informing the character the character work. They're not just beats along the road. That's right. Yeah, they, they've they've kind of managed to take all those story beats and make them kind of all yeah in a, in a really interesting interesting way. Fuck these reviews way more now that we're talking about it. Like, because there actually is so much work put into this movie. Yeah. I have some criticisms of this movie. Yeah, don't get me wrong, same. Those criticisms, Those criticisms were unreasonable. Yeah, yeah, they were over the top. At the double deuce, Frankie's laying out his big plans for improvements. Yeah. And introduces the new sheriff in town. So this is just bar rescue at this point, right? (laughs) (laughs) He did the one night observation where he goes in and sees what the place is like. Then the next morning he comes in, yells at a bunch of people, fires them, bar rescue. So Frank tells them that what Dalton says goes. I love this thing. Uh, This is is so much fun. Yeah, he fires Morgan straight away. Yeah. There's always barber college. (laughs) He fires the drug dealing waitress and lays out the law. It's my way or the highway. And then he asks if anyone else is dealing. Like, you would say yes. He is the cooler and they are the bouncers. Rule one, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> Rule two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Rule three, be nice. Mm, I don't care it's, if he calls you a cocksucker. Well, I'm getting to it. It's a job. Don't take it personally. Being called a cocksucker is a personal no, it's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. That was so dumb. That was dumb, that line. I love that line. Nah, that, that was kind of cheesy. What if somebody calls my mama a whore? Is, Is she? she? Yes, that was great. That was fucking perfect. Yeah, the rules are be nice until it's time not to be nice, and he'll let them know when it's time not to be nice. Yeah. Also, can we just talk about the neckline of the shirt that he's wearing? <laughs> okay, sure. It's just like, only Swayze could pull that off, man. <laughs> only Swayze could pull that fucking tight neckline Welcome off. Welcome to Objectification City. <laughs> you got to notice these things, man. You do. <laughs> you do. That night, Cody is rocking. Cody and the band are rocking. And Dalton surveys the club from his position as the blonde. Her name's Denise, played by Julie Michaels. She's the naked woman that beats the shit out of Keanu Reeves in Point Break when they Fuck raid yeah. when they do the raid on the ah. game. She's the woman in the shower with the back tattoo yeah, that beats yeah, yeah, the yeah. shit out of right. Keanu. Which I learned yesterday. <laughs> Fuck yeah. She has her fuck me eyes on for Dalton. At the door, the sleazy bouncer, Steve, tells Bear, the portly bouncer, he has another name, they call him later, but I'm just going to call him Bear, to let in two clearly underage girls. 
who are trying to use their Sears cards as identification. Yeah. Because that's definitely going to work. Yeah. yeah. At the bar, Dalton refills on leaded. Yeah, that, I liked that. Yeah, that's great. That's nice. Spots a bartender pocketing some cash that should have gone into the till. And we get our first kind of scene of the bouncers being nice. There's a woman dancing on a table and Dalton kind of like is encouraging and nods <laughs> for one of the other bouncers to go up and ask politely. I love that the actual like improvement to the bar that he's there to do is actually in the movie. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like some other movies like this, you would just be like, oh, since he's been here, it's all been good. But like, it's actually him. Yeah, they show the work. Yeah, they show the work. Eventually, the boyfriend of the dancing woman pulls a switchblade because everybody's got switchblades in the late 80s. I've got three on me right now. <laughs> Dalton strikes, disarming him and puts his head through a table. And everybody acts like it's the first time that they've ever seen anyone beat a man before because I mean, everybody is like if I saw someone I think it's put, the speed of it yeah if I yeah. saw someone put someone's head through a table that easily yeah. I'd be like that was pretty impressive because it's clear that <laughs> usually any kind of altercation that happens at this bar just it turns ends up into in a, a brawl. brawl yeah whereas this was a quick I'm just going to put you down and yeah. put yeah. you out so. such a decisive blow yeah. yeah and Frank we get a shot of Frank watching pretty happy with the investment through the ADR we get a who's that guy and then Cody uh, says the name is Dalton. <laughs> I didn't even pick up the ADR, but I loved, I loved that. Yeah. I fucking love that the the guitarist yeah. whispers to him what happened, and then Cody is so proud of his boy. He's like, the name is Dalton. In a back room, Steve is in the throes of passion. <laughs> so much skin. Going to be my regular Saturday night thing. As Dalton comes in, he watches for a second. <laughs> he I enjoys mean, the show for a second. May as well. And then fires him. But oh, I'm on my break. I'm on my break. Stay on it. <laughs> and then after closing, he confronts Pat, the bartender that was skimming. Consider it severance pay. That is dead set a line out of Bar Rescue. Okay, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so, Bar Rescue is a real thing. I thought you were doing a bit. I've never seen Bar no, Rescue. I don't know what Bar Rescue thing. is. Okay, sorry. I'll Some drop it. Some sort of reality show, I would guess. Yeah, it is. Pat is played by John Doe. What? Is that his actual name? Not a real name. Okay. Who is a member of the seminal punk band X, who I've mentioned a few times now on the podcast. They are in the Decline of Western Civilization documentary that I mentioned during the Taking of Beverly Hills episode. Yeah. The same one that Leaving from Fear was in. And they perform a cover of the song Wild Thing hey. that is used as AEW World's Champion John Moxley's entrance Hey, theme. Hold on. Uh, these two members of this band is one called Lee Ving. No, and the Lee other Ving first. is from the band Fear. This is John oh. Doe from the band X. I was going to say, is their whole gimmick in this band that they have funny names? Well, that's his, Lee Ving is his real name. And Lee John, Ving yes. is his real name. Yes. Parents didn't think that one through. And... John Doe is a fake is a fake name. Yes. 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 Because he's a what, punk band. Do we know what his real name is? No. No, I do not. But X keep on coming up. Yeah. Wild Thing keeps on coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So just I mean, connections between things. Yeah. It's almost like they were popular in the 1980s. They weren't popular. Really? They're, they're an underground punk band from the 1980s. Yeah, Same I suppose. But directors like, like you, like, they have tastes. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Congratulations to John Moxley for... Becoming world's champion again. Against CM Punk. Against CM Punk. He became interim champion and then managed to beat CM Punk to become world's champion. And I'm very proud of him. He'd be a good commentator. AEW corner. Can I just ask at this point, because it's been kind of confusing. Is Swayze tall or not? 
He's an average. Average, yeah. Because like with that dude who was a wrestler, he was like face to face. And then with the short little blonde, they were like face to face. Apple boxes. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if it was movie magic or not. I was watching a movie the other day where the eyeline of people switched between, like the height of the two actors <laughs> switched between shots. And I was like, oh, right. So when you were doing the reverse shots, you didn't put the shorter actor in Apple box. But for when you were shooting his face, you lifted him up some so that oh, it didn't look weird. That's gold. <laughs> yeah. That is gold. Pat asks Frank if he's really fired. And Frank says that he is. And Pat walks. It was a good night. Nobody died but it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, had to drop that in. And then outside we find out why Dalton buys a piece of shit car as the front windscreen is smashed and there is a knife blade in his tires. I really appreciated that, like, that there was a point to all that preamble. It's not just, like, prep because he's the best. It's like... He knows. Yeah. He knows Your car's going to get fucked up. Yeah, that's why he doesn't drive his Merc around. Yeah. Back at his loft, he's doing some late night reading. Is Jim Harris like, should I know that name? He is reading Jim Harrison's Legends of the Fall. Jim Harrison. Which was later turned into a movie starring Brad Pitt. I don't know that. It's an epic family drama. Okay. Across the river, a spontaneous skinny dipping party emerges from the mansion. All right. Have you seen this before? Dalton kills the lights and watches. Oh, yeah. So creepy. Well, creeper. But have you seen Roadhouse before? No. The tall guy at the pool party where he's like, oh, I love this guy. Did you think that was going to be the big henchman that like he struggled to fight at one point? No. Like there's this just like obscenely tall man. I was like, well, that's our big bad. Well, that's our big henchman rather. I swear that guy doesn't come back. No, the henchmen are kind of interesting in that there's a bunch of them and some of them, they appear and disappear at, w- at will. Yeah. They're not consistent through the movie. There is one specifically that's in one scene that I'm very excited to talk about. Oh, Set okay. up. Set up. Okay. Wait for the payoff. The next morning, Carrie Ann shows up at his loft. She's just figured out where he lives with breakfast. Yeah, and I don't know how she Yeah, I know Brody. Brody's giving me a look and because he wants to talk about the bun show. Yeah, there's some hard Swayze ass. There is a close-up of Swayze ass. Do we think it's actually Swayze ass? Yes, absolutely. No no butt double? No stunt, no stunt butt. <laughs> it was a nice ass. Thought it was going to be better. <laughs> Have you got a rating? <laughs> No, I give it. No, no, we don't We've rate. We don't rate. Yeah, let's let's stop me objectifying. Listen, I'm not people. trying to objectify Swayze. I'm trying to start a fucking cult. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. He's just a good looking man. I'll stop. I'll stop. The word stunt came up, so I'm going to ask my question now. Uh, the fight scenes with Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. Does he do his own fighting, or is there a lot of stunt double work in this movie? We'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, that's a good question. Though my wife is dissatisfied. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie Ann has brought breakfast. Dalton is not impressed by that breakfast because some greasy, like, yeah. back in their grill. <laughs> I don't put that in the my body. As he smokes a cigarette. Yeah. And he smokes in every fucking scene. Of I fucking movie. love it. He's chain smoking in this, oh, this whole smoking. movie. I actually didn't <laughs> notice that. I noticed that it was smoky, but I didn't notice <laughs> that he was smoking. Okay, cool. They have a little bit of a chat and she kind of tells him that she shouldn't have, that he shouldn't have fired Pat, but she doesn't tell him why. You'd think yeah. she would tell him why, Dick because move. he might actually change his mind if he knows what the situation is. I mean, I he probably wouldn't have, but like from her perspective. But like if you're Swayze, at this point you go, oh, well, yeah, bring him back if it's going to cause a fucking town warfare and we'll just train him to be better. Like, I mean, yeah, if she'd explained no, it to the extent that- 
He's there to steal from the business. But at that point, he doesn't really know that. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, but like you're getting into, you're creating a fake plot where <laughs> yeah. the movie doesn't need a fake plot. True. It doesn't need to know at this Real point. people don't need to be in this fictional movie. No. <laughs> On the open road, Wesley has no fucks to give about the road rules. He's singing along to the radio as he veers between lanes. Dalton coming the other way has to swerve to avoid him. Oh, I totally miss that. Really? I must have been making a note. <laughs> I was like, what's the point of this just driving weird scene? And then I make a note. Oh, we're pulling up at Red's place. Yeah. At Red's auto parts, Don meets Red, who tells him a new windscreen is worth more than the car. He's going to order it anyway. And they talk as Red gets Don a new aerial. And yeah, this is like this good character work in here. This yeah. Is some fun stuff. Uh, in terms of the kind of plot mechanics, Dalton's not staying in town for long. Red said the same thing, but uh, Red got married to an ugly lady. Don't ever do that because it just takes the energy right out of you. Yeah. That was a weird story. As ugly as she is. When he, when he said the ugly woman thing, I was like, just unsavory. Char- and just then, character Yeah, work. but then he goes, oh, and she left me for someone uglier than me. Like, I was like, oh. Well, okay, no, as ugly fun. as herself. Oh, Okay. Brad and one of his goons come in and he kind of introduces himself to Dalton. And as he leaves, the goon kind of dead eyes him. That goon's name is Jimmy Reno. He has the coolest earring I've ever seen in my life. He looks like he could be a member of the Daggers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You guys kind of guess straight away that, that Wesley's shaken down right yeah. on the river. Emmett scopes out Dalton's Mercedes and then watches him do Tai Chi. Yeah. I'm guessing Tai Chi was quite strange in the 80s. Yeah, really. Very strange to, I do, mean, ta- to do Tai Chi. Besides in action movies, because it's an really obligatory action. scene. In like four of the movies that we've watched, there's been Tai Chi scenes. Name two of them. Maybe not four. Wild Thing. Yeah, he does it on the roof. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. I'm pretty sure in Rapid Fire. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Maybe. <laughs> okay. But also, he's giving this farmer some confusing feelings. <laughs> Come on. The, the shot of the farmer after the Tai Chi scene where he's just watching him longingly. Like, come on. He's not watching him longingly. But it's just a way that you could read that scene. Like, it's just like, yeah, he's watching yes, him because it's strange. I feel like it's, it's not this in is the text. Be, I feel like this is going to be a podcast where at the beginning I need to put a, a disclaimer warning that the views of Brody McDonald do not represent <laughs> the views of Weed Kid Video as a corporation. Come on. He's just sitting there like like sitting he's in surprised. his- He's <laughs> surprised. He's like, he's, he's hired- He's weird he's, out he's, by the, he's weirded out by this dude from the city that owns a Mercedes, rents this shitty loft that nobody wanted, and is doing fucking Tai Chi, which he's probably never <laughs> seen before because he's yeah, a good think, old boy in fucking Missouri. I think you read that like into that. any scene where a man is looking at another man. <laughs> I don't, but like watch it again <laughs> with that thought. And it's like, yeah, I could kind of could kind of see that. I'm taking my name off the book. <laughs> We need you. You do the homework. I don't know. All I wanted to say about the scene was it's a nice time. <laughs> <laughs> it is beautiful. I, I 100% was like, I want to live by a river. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Across the river, Wesley is watching and shakes his head. at like, huh, what's with this guy? Yeah. And at the deuce, you can see that Frank has had some of the work started. There's patches on the walls. You know, there's no sawdust on the floor anymore. Mm. The first thing, there's sawdust all over the floor to clean cover the clean up spills. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Don comes up to his office and inside Pat and two goons, a good old boy named Tinker and the other guy who I'm just calling the business goon. <laughs> the business yeah, they can't decide whether he's like a businessman or like a muscly guy. Hey? It's, a, it's weird. The henchmen are kind of weird in this movie. <laughs> Pat wants his job back and the business goon explains that Wesley supplies Leduce's liquor. 
and that Pat is Wesley's nephew. Pat just pulls a fucking Rambo-sized hunting knife on Dolph. Yeah. No, you can't have your job back. Okay, I'm going to cut you yeah. with like a Rambo <laughs> knife. Escalates very quickly. The funny thing is, is at this point, because Ellie was watching it with me, Ellie goes, oh yeah, so just, just everyone have knives? And I was like, Yes. There was kind of a point in history where like everyone just had like knives. Yeah. You know what I mean? I told her I've got three knives on me right now. Yeah. But also this is. He l- could. He owns three knives. <laughs> this is like country America. Three you know about. <laughs> but this is like country America in the 80s. You use a knife. Shouldn't you, everyone have knife, guns I'd, as well? Mm-hmm. Kind of, but then it's a different movie. Yeah, I know. There is but, some gun stuff in the movie, but... But, but like, that's what I always kind of bump on in these movies. Yeah, I kind of accept it because it's because it's like, okay, so this is a movie that is not about gunplay. Yeah. So there's just not a lot of gunplay. I get movie. that. I just I just always... It always bumps on me. It's like, America, this time, sh- everyone should have guns. People have knives because knives are a, are a tool. Yeah. Right. I think these people like to fight. If you have a gun, it causes it's not a fight. different yeah, situation. Right. Yeah. You can't brawl if you've got a gun. Yeah. There you is almost like someone. a thing back in the day, back in the day, in this period of movies, where like if it was knives, it was like smaller gang violence. If it was like if it was guns. It's, it's commando. It's a, yeah. It's yeah. Predator. Yeah. Okay, and cool, in this cool, situation, cool. it's not like. I mean, they're kind of there for a fight, but like the majority of the people in the bar, like the guy who stabbed him in, the, in that first fight, it's like he's just having a nice time in a bar a and, na- has, and has a, a weapon on him. Yeah. yeah, It's like people having like brass knuckles in their pocket or whatever. Like yeah. people just have stuff just for, because they for, know they're going to get into a fight. They're going to the double deuces. Like that happens every time. So they're going to have something yeah. to protect themselves. But Tell you what's funny they though. They don't necessarily like, want to kill a guy. Like in, in, in modern movies, like when you get these movies that are based around these heroes that can kick and punch and do all these martial arts, you have guns very simply kind of synthesized in those movies. Like you'll have someone like pull up a shirt and show a gun or something like that. And he's still too quick for someone to get a gun out or something like that. Mm-hmm. Where in these movies, it's like, no, nah, everyone has knives. Or, and they yeah. I mean, there are guns I mean, in this movie, but yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I can't go a podcast without mentioning John Wick. John Wick runs out of bullets and then has to throw knives at a guy. Yeah. Like it's a different style That's, of movie. Like he yeah. actually runs out of ammunition. He actually yeah. has to reload. And in the eighties, you never needed to reload because you had clips of holding. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Don just dodges Pat slashes until he kicks him out a window into the bar. Oh, which is yeah. a nice it's a nice little stunt. Dalton takes on the business goon and Tinker. Tinker slashes Dalton across the ribs with a knife, because yeah, everyone's got knives. And uh, then Dalton and the business goon roll out the window and then over a railing through a table. Some of the other bouncers get involved and they kind of clear house with Dalton knocking out the business goon in the ER. Yeah, I fully thought that our blonde bombshell from the bar was gonna be a smarty. But I was like, oh, they've made depth to this blonde bombshell. You thought she was the Yeah, do- I no, thought that was the same right. person. No, so Dalton meets Doc Clay, who he just calls Doc through the rest of the movie, which I, I love. love it. So yeah. I'm just going to refer to her. Her name's Elizabeth. I'm just going to refer to her as Doc. She is like without, again, like I'll objectify Swayze. <laughs> like I'm really uncomfortable objectifying guys, but with women, I'm very careful. But like she is gorgeous. Yeah, she's a beautiful woman. She is just classically beautiful. I don't think that she's very good. She's not really got much room to act. She's just she has there to she, be she has got much to do. Upon. But just her line readings, I just find her very stiff. I just find her very stiff. I wouldn't even bring it up except that she's the same in cocktail. Like her line readings in cocktail are like I don't um, think I've seen it. Oh well, we do need to fix that. Yeah, I just don't think that she's particular. She's particularly cocktail. good. She's just really stiff. I just don't. Yeah, 
I didn't notice. I didn't notice that she was bad. Really? I, I noticed that her role didn't have much to do, but I didn't yeah. notice that a line reading was okay. bad. I feel like there's a, a heavy serving of cheese and not great acting afoot in this movie. And I feel like she's not out of place. Okay. Yeah. It just kind of felt like they decided they needed a love interest and yeah, they sort you, of because you have to yeah. put it in there, but it didn't really fit. Yeah. We'll talk about as well as it should have. We might talk a little bit about why it doesn't fit a little bit a little bit later. Okay. She asked him how he got his knife wound, natural causes. <laughs> he hands her his entire medical file, which he carries what? with him because it saves time. I've what? always loved that since I was a kid. So dumb. He's just got he's just got his medical records. They meet cute. He works at the Deuce. They send a lot of business her way. She tells him she's going to add nine staples to his dos- dossier of medical misadventures. Kira will cut the line in here. Well, Mr. Dalton, you may add nine staples to your dossier of 31 broken bones. Two bullet wounds, nine puncture wounds, and four stainless steel screws. That's an estimate, of course. I'll give you a local. No, thank you. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Pain don't hurt. Oh, wow. That's a line. <laughs> that is a line. We find out he has a degree in philosophy from NYU. She checks out the stitches on his arm from earlier and is impressed with his work. Do you ever win a fight? Nobody ever wins a fight. All right. Let's discuss why they made him a philosophy uh, graduate from NYU. He's we're Zen. going to, we're going to, but let me let me just okay speak for a second, and okay. then you can you can come in sure. Because this is where I want to talk about Swayze, and what I love about him is how different he is from action stars of the era. Did he always need to have some kind of philosophical thing? No, but he's just vulnerable and softer than yeah. action stars of the era. Schwarzenegger, Stallone. Even Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis is like an every blue collar everyman. Mm. Swayze is not is that. Not really soft. He is soft. He is vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Swayze's kind of got this fucking throwback kind of cool about him. He's kind of effortless. It, think about that line. Think about a line like "Pain don't hurt" in any of those other actors' mouths, and it's a tough guy line. Yeah. And he doesn't deliver it like it's a tough guy line. He delivers it like it's his for life philosophy. Yeah, he's like, I've been hurt emotionally by things way worse. Yeah, it's a yeah. credo about how he about how he lives. Yeah. My fascination with Swayze and the reason that I like him in basically everything I've ever seen him in is because he's not like those other. There's nobody else that's like that's like him in this era. Everybody yeah. else is a tough guy. Uh, I think. Except I don't for, know if it's uh, the right era, sorry, but except, Kevin Bacon is is kind of but like Kevin that. Bacon's not in action movies. He's tried to. No, not in the night. What name an action movie? Kevin Bacon action movie from the when 1980s. I think of Kevin Bacon, he's action adjacent. No, he's not. Kevin no. Bacon's not an action movie guy. No. The, he's in Tremors, which is kind of an action com- action comedy. Like horror. he's not a, he's not a tough guy. I'm not saying he's a tough guy. Actually, he's hero. not in action movies. You reckon? No. He's like later day Kevin Bacon is in superhero action movies. Yeah. But he is not an action guy. He's okay. a drama guy. Maybe. Yeah. See, I don't He's know a drama much and early and Kevin Bacon. I, I retract my statement. Because we've recently been watching some tough guy movies, some 80s tough guy movies. Yes. You kind of feel the, feel the same way? Yeah. He's definitely softer in a, yeah, he is definitely not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like He has an emotional side. He's got depth to him. Yeah. And it doesn't, he doesn't, we don't know anything about his family life or where he's been or what he's been through, but you can tell that there's something there. I don't know. There's a history to this character that we don't know about, but it's written all over him. Yeah. He invites her to the deuce for a cup of coffee. Not a drink, a cup of coffee. He does not drink in this whole movie. Yeah. You know, for this line of work, she thought he'd be bigger. He must get that all the time. <laughs> yeah. 
I thought you'd be taller. Can we? But he's not that small, right? He's not Tom Cruise small. He's no, like an average guy that people just I, expect him to be a professional I wrestler. It, I think it fits into the same thing as what I was just talking about. Like the action movies are Schwarzenegger. Yeah. yeah. The action movies are Schwarzenegger and Stallone, who are fucking giants. Yeah, and that's right? what people imagine when even, they hear these stories about Even, even yeah. Kurt Russell is more bulked up than Patrick yeah. Swayze in this era. Yeah. Kurt Russell is also someone I kind of put in the same camp. With, with oh, the, Kurt Russell is... He's we, he's not got a softer side to him though. He's got a comedic side. Uh, we have not yet really talked about Kurt Russell, but Kurt Russell is Ian loves Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell's my yeah. guy. He's like one also one of my guys. Yeah, I love Kurt Russell also, yeah. but yeah. Um have we got to the bit about what kind of philosophy he studies? Well, he doesn't have a mate. He doesn't have says he doesn't have a he, school. Yeah, but he he studies man's search for faith and that kind of shit. So dumb. So dumb. It's fine. You don't like it? I don't care. (laughs) I'm not bothered by it. I just just want to, like, why did they make him like. Because it's different. Because it's because it's more interesting. Because it's way more interesting. Do you reckon they go? So can, you can imagine a version of this movie where he's just a, t- a badass tough guy that just says one just says one liners all the time. Yeah, but and you doesn't can have, have a philosophical person who's not a literal philosoph- uh, philosophy like student. It's just know? to add. It's just to add another layer to him. Yeah, it's to make him different. It's to make the fact that he's a bouncer strange, a strange life choice. Mm, like he's doing it on purpose. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Do you reckon they they wrote it around Swayze or do you reckon they go, this is someone and they cast Swayze? I don't know. Yeah. I, thinking about what you've just said now, it's like there's no one else who could have done it. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. I don't think How known was Swayze as Swayze this at this point? This is after Dirty Dancing. Uh, he's, okay. he's a massive star. Dirty yeah. Dancing is So it could have been written for him a little bit. Hit. At the Wesley residence, the goons arrive in a car and a monster truck. I swear there was a period of time as well where like every bad guy had a monster truck well, on his team. Every bad guy should have a monster <laughs> yeah, truck. Yeah, fucking oath. This is the Bigfoot 7. Oh. Uh, it was built for the film and also features in the movie Tango and Cash. Uh-huh. On the list. Which Patrick Swayze was originally going to star in with Sylvester Stallone, except Hectic. that he has a fucked up knee from Dirty Dancing that got worse during the making of this movie, and so he went on to make Ghost, in which he had to do no stunt work instead, uh, and he was replaced by our Lord and Savior, Kurt Russell. Uh, Fuck yeah! Also, the this is the Bigfoot number seven. The Bigfoot is the first world's first monster truck. Nineteen seventy-five. The dude that built this monster truck built the very first monster truck. Wesley wants apology from one of his goons for not getting Pat his job back and for not protecting him. Tinker says he's sorry. The business goon also apologizes. Apparently his name is O'Connor. Wesley doesn't believe him and wants him to try again and then starts punching the shit out of him because he's disgusted by him and calls him a bleeder, a messy bleeder. Now, we meant to take from this that Brad can fight. The, the casting of Brad perplexes me on so many different well, levels. His age, when he's meant to be a rival love interest, his ability to fight. He's not a rival love interest. He in is. He, but he's not. He's, yeah, but he's, he's an old dude who has an obsession and she never had any interest in I him. I get That's that. That's not a rival love interest. Yeah, okay. Maybe my word choice is poor, but like him, it, it would he make not, so much okay. more sense if he was like a young yes. dude, don't you reckon? Yes, but we have the real physical match with him in Jimmy Reno. Yeah, I get that. But so you have often in this time you you have a, a villain that is maybe not as physically capable but is an older actor who can portray 
a level of villainy that is that is. But it also different. makes more sense for an older guy to have taken over the, the entire town. town. The town. Yeah, but what well. he a younger did guy is, wouldn't have been able to do that because yeah. he wouldn't have had the time. But what he did is he came to town and took over it doing like new age business. You know what I mean? So it still would have made sense if he was a younger guy. Like they've done it in like Walking Tall and shit like that. Like other movies where it's the Western. Yeah, but he came to town and already had money and and took over the town over time. I love you, Brody, but you just get hung up on like the movie is what the movie is. Yeah, look, it's it's not a real criticism. Okay, so you're also confusing a casting choice with a story choice, right? And those are two different, those are two different things. They cast Ben Gazzara because he's a great actor. He's a legendary actor from the 90, from the 1970s. I don't think it damages anything. And he can do and he can do the and he can do the role. And yes, he's not a physical match for Swayze, but they do story-wise account for that in the final in the final fight. Dalton arrives at Red's as Jimmy and another goon are peeling out, kind of laughing. And yeah, they were shaking down Red. Dalton asked him if he got if he got robbed. And he says, yeah, every week. And then Dalton spots a photo of Doc Clay on Red's wall because they're setting that up for later. And we learned that basically every business in town pays off Wesley as part of the Jasper Improvement Society, which is a grift in which he shakes people down. That was very clever. Yeah. Is he wearing his casual gear at this point? Did you not notice the white shirt with the like... The, he did have a very... It was a very V... It was like, like, a, it was like, like a, a karate gear, but just a shirt. Yeah, it did actually kind of look like that. <laughs> there is one point where he's wearing a sweater vest. No, there's this like there's that. like a white shirt okay. that has a like a fold. It definitely like, looks like a gear. <laughs> no, it did not, it did not I'll refer to it as his casual gear. Uh, okay, that's his, his casual gear. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Somewhere else at a strip club, Sam fucking Elliot. Sam fucking Elliot takes stage as Wade Garrett. Oh my god, I love this man and. Ellie loves this man a little too much from what she divulged. But like, yeah, he's a fox. I've never seen young Sam Elliott. Holy oh, really? fuck, he's a fucking I mean he's been an old man forever. He's an old he's got gray he's hair. An old man in this. This. He's got gray hair and but holy lip. holy god. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Sam Elliott's been working since nineteen sixty nine when he played card plan number two in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And in terms of other movies that he's in that we will probably talk about, Fatal Beauty, which I already mentioned today. Fucking Tombstone, Kurt Russell, which mm. I rewatched uh, like last week. And yes, he's <sighs> in The Big Lebowski. Yeah. He's the stranger. Yeah. Who kind of narr- he narrates the movie. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Fuck, that was my first intro- introduction to Sam Elliott. And fuck, even in that movie, I fucking fell in love with that man. And he's still he's still working. He's on the, uh, there's that Kevin Costner TV show called Yellowstone that has a spinoff and Sam Elliott's on the spinoff. Yeah, okay. Any and good? Have you seen it? It's one of those shows where it just feels like a lot of work. <laughs> I just yeah, never got, right. just never got to it. I'm yep, like, yep, yep. I love me some Costner, but I don't know. <laughs> I do love me some Costner. It's also like a family drama. It's a generational mm, family drama. Puff. And it's like, mm, if you added a werewolf to that, I'd be okay. <laughs> they talk a little shop. Wade's never heard of Wesley. It's a very, very quick scene. It's over with pretty quickly. And then back of the deuce on stage, the cage is gone. And there is a neon double deuce sign behind the band. And Carrie Ann is singing with the band. She's singing Knock on Wood. She's a, also a musician. Yeah. She has albums. Ah. Yeah. She is good. Denise is making a move on Dalton. Why won't you look me in the eye? I'm shy. This is the point where I have in my notes. Oh, they're two different people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Henchman Jimmy Reno drags her away after she invites Dalton back to her place to fuck. And outside 
as Jimmy brings her to the car, a bunch of Wesley's goons head in. Dalton spots him straight away, tells Bear, right boot. Yeah. That was a hell of a spot for a tiny little blade on the tip of a boot. Well, it, it does sparkle. <laughs> yeah, true. We get a close-up of it. The goon uh, has a blade in the end of his shoe, which is fun because that actor is Anthony DeLonginus as Gary, who you have both seen before as Blade in Masters of the Universe. Uh-huh. Shut up. Fuck. I love that. Thank you He's for another guy. through line. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Boot knife. Dalton and his crew walk over. Sorry, we're closed. Sorry, we're closed. Well, what are all these people doing here? Drinking and having a good time. Well, that's why we're here. You're too stupid to have a good time. So good. So the way not only is it just like the two sides meeting going like, no, nope, fuck off. But the dialogue is great. The cool line he delivers after he catches his boot great but then the way they just all just lay into each other and drag each other outside yeah mm, i love yeah. it so gary kicks with his uh blade foot and don catches it and kind of breaks his ankle yeah and yeah drags him outside as doc clay is moseying up to the deuce yeah don is crew kick ass uh don does the ear, that ear clap attack which always freaks the me discombobulate out discombobulate thing yeah don't mm. clap people's ears that's a bad time and afterwards don says hello to doc at a diner. Wait, wait, wait. Do we give the knee line now or is that later? Knee line. Doesn't matter how big they are. If you smack them in the knee, they'll go down like a ton of bricks or something like that. Take out a man's knee. Yeah. I think that's earlier. Is it? Could be here. No, I think as he's walking past the big dude, he he tells him mm. after this fight. Okay. I fucking could, love that line. Like I said, there's just some great dialogue that's just like, it's part of the, yeah. part of the show. At a diner, they're drinking coffee and she asks him if he's always better than they are, pretty much. There's a nice little bit where Dalton stops an old timer falling asleep on a stool from tipping over. <laughs> Just kind of sits him back up. And then they kind of like leave, go to leave straight away. And this is all pretty quick and feels like it was kind of cut short. Feels like there's stuff missing yeah, from, you're this, right. from this scene. She he drives. Gives, he gives rent money to the. To the. To the yeah. You like yeah. that? I love this. She drives him back to his car and his fan club has fucked it up again. He lives some kind of life. Just great dialogue. Maybe too ugly for Doc. She didn't say that. Kisses a good night. And pulls a stop sign out of his car. (laughs) Like the stop sign. And in the morning, O'Connor and Tinker had been looking for Dalton all over, but he was just waiting for him uh, because Wesley wants to see him. And then at Wesley's house, Denise is aerobicizing and has bruises all over her face. Yeah. Because she's an abuser. They were looking all over for him and he was just at his house. Where did they look? He's actually not even at his house. He's He's on Wesley's side of the river. Oh, that's uh, why. Okay. I thought he was at his house and I thought, well, you didn't look very he's, wait, he's waiting for them on the other side of the river. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. How funny is it that he's just sitting there with his eyes closed? Just like, mm, I'm enjoying just, the river. Just having a nice, nice yeah. little quiet <laughs> moment with the sounds of nature. Yeah. Wesley's having breakfast. Also, the movie does not treat Denise well. No. Nah. The movie does not. She has no... Agency whatsoever. No agency and there's no... She's evil. There's also no out for her. Like, there's yeah. no resolution to that story she's portrayed as 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 an object victim a a victim and an object that is owned but also she's portrayed as like going along with the bad things as well like she gets no redemption even though that we we show her as being a victim and then we get some casual uh inferiority complex by our main baddie yeah wesley's having breakfast offers dalton a bloody mary ben gazara is just kind of hamming it up wesley tries to connect with dalton they're the same they both came from nothing (laughs) yeah he built this town there's a really nice um do you guys notice the steadicam shot 
the cool Steadicam shot? No. When? There's just a really nice Steadicam shot that circles around because Dalton never sits down in this scene, right? Uh, he circles around Wesley. He just walks in a circle around his ta- around the table that Wesley's sitting at, and there's this nice Steadicam shot that follows circling around with Wesley in the foreground and Dalton in the Dalton in the background. Oh, I didn't notice, really, but I love that. A, it's just a really cool I love cool that shot. he never sat down. Of course he never sits down. Fuck yeah, that's great. Basically, he wants to buy Dalton from Frank. Yeah. He knows that Dalton killed a man in Memphis in self-defense and was put on trial. Backstory. He, he was acquitted. <laughs> I miss. I must have missed that. So he actually got put on trial he was, was self-defense. Yeah. So he was acquitted, yeah, that line. He was acquitted via self-defense. Dalton tells Wesley there's no amount of money. Yeah. I mean, if you're Dalton and you're a real person, just let me. Not a pretend person. Wouldn't you just be like, yeah, okay, I'll take your money? Like, no, and just he's like. He's a good guy. Yeah, once, I know. But once, like. Once again, you were revealing more about yourself than you are about the characters within. But like, film. it's not like he can't not do things, you know? I, I mean, I suppose if you get into his organization, you then become a henchman who has to go like fight people with knives on your boots. Yeah. But. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, who wants to be walking around going clink, clink, clink? I don't think that's the reason not to do it. (laughs) He's trying so hard to derail this podcast. (laughs) I've had too much sugar today. Remember when we did that podcast without him and it was real quiet? (laughs) (laughs) Tilt down to the new and improved deuce. There's a line and a velvet rope. And the people look clean and trendy. There's a person wearing a suit. Yeah. Don walks through and is enjoying the band. And at his spot at the end of the bar, the bartenders have uniforms now. The bartender. Oh, yeah. We're about to talk about okay. it. You spotted him? Yeah. Fantastic. Did you spot the bartender that hands Dalton his coffee? Good old Ernie. That bartender is Keith David. It's yeah. fucking Keith David. Kira's like, I don't know who Keith David is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who names. Real actors' names. Do you I don't know, know names? names. <laughs> okay. He has over 300 credits. For uh, movies, TV, voice work. Big star these days. I'll always know him from John Carpenter's The Thing and John Carpenter's They Live, The Quick and the Dead. He is Goliath in the cartoon Gargoyles. Is he? Yes. He, oh, hectic. He is Elroy Potashnik in the sixth season of Community. <laughs> Kira's brain Too deep a reference? No, I know what he's talking about. Okay. I don't, I don't know Community that well. Yes. Okay. That's he Keith, looks so different. That's Keith David. He gets old. He is the president on Rick and Morty. Yeah. <laughs> he is too. Shit. Yeah. Shit. Because he does tons of voice work as yeah, well. Yeah, he does have a great voice. He's got an amazing voice. I mean, I think the, I think the thing legend. is the one that everyone would know him from. And the, the yeah. thing and they live. The, the, they live. Uh, with Rowdy Roddy Piper, the 10-minute fight in the alleyway. No, I don't. I don't um, think I know. Oh, yay! <laughs> I get to show Brody they live. Yeah, you're gonna have a nice time. Oh okay. wow! Do not in any way. I love that this pod fills my gaps. Ooh, phrasing. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Keith David's playing Ernie, the bartender, the new bartender, and you will. If you blink, you will just miss him in this movie yeah. because his whole subplot was cut out of the movie. See, it's nice him being there and he's a good actor and yay. But why was the other bartender fired? He was perfectly good too. He gave him coffee at Leaded or Unleaded. There was nothing wrong with him. He's still around. He's still there. Oh, he's still there? Yeah. Okay. He's to the left of this scene when Ernie comes in actually. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's just a new bartender, not a replacement bartender. And well, I think there's more now. Yes. Okay, that's and, fine then. And he had a plot. And it was cut out of the movie. No. Yeah. So the first cut of this movie ran long, way too long. I mean, 
final cut of this movie right long. <laughs> it did actually. <laughs> I agree. How long was this movie? Almost Just two under hours. two hours. It's 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes shy of two didn't hours. Feel this like movie it. didn't need to be two hours. No, it, it does not. So massive chunks of this movie were taken out of it to get it to the time that it currently runs up. And Is everybody like that's not. Scene? Everybody, yes. Everybody that's not Swayze lost scenes. Right. Uh, so Carrie Ann had more scenes. There is a sheriff character that is taken out of the movie entirely, <laughs> except for one scene we see at, him the at the end. end. At the end, yeah. Ernie was mostly cut out. Sam Elliott's role was cut down. Damn. I'm pretty sure they compressed all of the stuff with, with Doc. I've seen this movie a few times. I didn't know that stuff was cut out of it. When I found out that stuff was cut out of it and I watched this movie, I was like, fuck yeah, I can see the seams yeah. all over the place. Is this why you're saying down. that Doc and him have no chemistry or is it just from them I don't think, they, I just think it's just them together. Yeah, I, I agree. Just, they're, they're okay. just... They're two very beautiful people that I think have nothing in common with each other. Yeah. <laughs> They're just being And I don't mean even mean as characters. I just mean they just do not connect yeah. as people. Yep. Yeah. Frank is working the crowd and chats with Dalton. They've run out of booze because Wesley has turned off the alcohol taps. <laughs> He's put the squeeze on the supplies and then Dalton picks up the phone and says he will take care of it. After work, Doc is waiting for him. I hear you're the new marshal in town. It's a fucking Wesley. Reno and another goon are watching from the Bigfoot and he takes her to his barn loft and she is very confused that this is where he lives. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little confused as well. So they watching him in there like, haha, you they're keeping fucked up. We, f- we found someone you care about. No, they're just keeping an eye on the venue. And then, yes, they're also gaining the information that Doc is with. Right. With okay. Dalton, which is also going to get back, obviously going to get back to Wesley. Cool. Did you guys also notice that he's driving her car in the next scene? Yeah. <laughs> Strange. Okay. He can't give directions? She's got a nicer car because he has the crappy car. But yeah, why is he driving it? Maybe it's he the just 80s. wants to drive the car. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe she's like, you drive. Yeah, okay. I mean, there could be a thousand I'm, reasons. I'm, I just found it odd. I'm drunk off medicine. <laughs> yep. yep. I, I've taken my own supply. Yeah. Yeah, but also... His loft is fucking great. Yeah, but she's a little confused because he lives above a barn. He's taken her into the into the woods to a barn. Yeah, true. And true. also it's where he lives. And I love how he's like, the horses will tell me if anyone's coming. Yeah. It's such a nice little detail. You can really see him limping on his bad knee in this scene. So his bad name is like life altering. That's bad. He had to have it drained during production because it was real bad. Funny that they made Sam Elliott's character limp as well. I think Sam Elliott just has a limp. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's a joke. Uh, He turns on the radio to find a station with the right vibe. These Arms of Mine by Otis Redding, which is a great track. Oh my God, such a great track. It's a sexy track, but it's also used for basically the same scene in Dirty Dancing? <laughs> is it? Is that like a subtle nod or? I don't know. Either way, I, having not seen it, I was like, that's a that's a great choice. It's a good choice. We find out that Doc is Red's niece. He raised her after her parents passed away and now they take care of each other. We also find out that Doc is divorced. Get pretty. They start dancing, get close to each other and then end up making love. So awkward. <laughs> Afterwards, she wakes up in an empty bed. And Dalton is sitting buck naked on a roof. She joins him and they have a little chat about his scars. And she tells him he's going to have a lot of pain when he gets older. This is a particular line of hers that she is, I just think her delivery is bad. You're going to have a lot of pain when you get older, Dalton. You could be crippled if you don't slow down. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, and the line, oh, you've, you've been told this already. 
yeah. is a line that's also really stilted. Yeah. She asks him where he's going to go next, tells him he could stay in town if he wanted to, but he doesn't think so. And they uh, start back up right there on the roof. And of course, Wesley is so much watching in this movie. Yeah. It's a movie of voyeurs. Wesley is watching them from across the lake. Such a creep up. But also, how fucking sick is the setup of this loft? <laughs> I like the windows. I like windows, the giant windows you can open that go nowhere. Yeah. It's great. So you can just let the world in. Yeah. And then I also like the ones that open up onto a roof. Yeah, same. Why is it a roof is so much cooler than a balcony? Because it's, it's a roof. Because it's a roof. Yeah. You're not meant to be up there. Yeah. Don helps Emmett with some farm bullshit. You got a woman up there. <laughs> if you're smart, you'll pitch your tent. It's a nice bit of fun bit of business. Crazy. And then at the uh, double deuce, Dalton checks in with Cody. And the word is he's been spending time with the doc. And Wesley once had a thing for her. The boost truck is here. A few things happen at the kind of same time. So Wade arrives on his, on his hog. Mm. The double douche. <laughs> I love that. And then as the truck is being unloaded, Wesley's goons show up. Morgan is with them now. Mm-hmm. And they start busting cases. Don takes them all on and does okay for a second, but they get the better of him. Inside, Frank recognizes Wade, and then Wade goes to check on Dalton. I love that he just walks out there while Swayze's getting the shit kicked out of him and doesn't join the fight straight yeah. away. Just ask him, how's it going, Miho? <laughs> I fucking love... Does he call everyone in his life, like in every movie that he's in, Miho and shit and Amigo? Because he does it in The Dude as well, in yeah. The Big Lebowski. Do you know what Miho means? Is it nephew? Son. Son, the only thing cooler would be if he lit a cigarette. Yeah, and then <laughs> he joins with a classic dick punch mm-hmm. and then continues to clear out the rest of the gangs like he's some type of old-timey pugilist. Wade Garrett, holy shit, that's right. How good is when the knee shot thing comes back and he smacks the big dude in the knee and he just goes, hurt, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Fuck, it's such a good line. No, he goes, damn, that hurt, doesn't it? Dalton and Wade are in his piece of shit car. And they're driving to go pick up the doc from the hospital. And when when Wade sees the doc, he just says, I fucking knew it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that Dalton's got himself involved. And then it's closing time at a bar and Wade's showing off him some of his scars and he feels like dancing. What time is it? Daytime. <laughs> and then at a diner. And is again, this where this, they dance? Where do they dance? They dance at, the, at a diner. At the diner, in the, the bar. In the daytime, right? Yeah. And again, this feels like it's parts of scenes. Yeah. This whole sequence feels like it was probably individual scenes and then they've just yeah. cut along them yeah. to, keep the sto- to keep the story moving. I and mean, I love, I love the dance that they have, but like if I'm Swayze, I'm like, how the fuck? I'm Swayze, but how am I comparing to Sam Elliott right now? Holy fuck. I would feel threatened. Choose Brody. <laughs> oh, Sam Elliott, man. Okay. <laughs> She asks Wade if this is the part where he tells her what a great guy his friend is. And Sam Elliott's response is, no, this is the part where I tell you I want you for myself. Oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> He's being playful. But the dialogue is so good. Sam Elliott's character is so good. Sam Elliott is so good. I yeah. love this. She excuses herself and Wade tells him that he's got his hands full, that Dalton is kind of stuck in his head and it's about Memphis. And we learn the man that Dalton killed was the husband of a woman that he was with and he didn't know that she was married. You know, when a man sticks a gun in your face, you've got two choices. You can die or you can kill the motherfucker. Yeah. See, the level of depth to this story, as like silly as it is, those moments are interesting. And the, le- the quality of this scene alone, I think, 
really doesn't warrant the fucking review that we had at the top of this podcast. Like these bits, these what, bits, I think are, you can't look past. What I would say though is that, and Kira touched on this earlier, is the movie's still too long. Yeah. The movie's still too long and the movie does make a mistake. And that mistake is that it starts taking itself seriously. There is Interesting. A shift in, there is a shift in tone in this movie. The first hour is fun and games. It's very true. We're running a bar. It's all a good time. And then we spend a lot of time in Swayze's, in Dalton's psychology about him being all fucked up in his head and him making the, why is he making, the, you know, starts making bad choices. He yeah. loses his cool. Yeah. And I think that we could have had some of that, but I think the movie needed to stay fun and it comes fun kind of at the very end. Yeah. But there is a stretch where the movie starts to take itself way too seriously. That's that's yeah. a really good shout. That's a fucking really good observation. Yeah, that's probably why around this time in the movie I was like, oh, my God, this movie is so long. It's still got 40 <laughs> minutes to go at this point. Yeah. See, did you start to feel it at this point? Yeah. I started, I, see, I think I was bought in and and at this point I'm I'm just grooving on Sam Elliott. Yeah. I that think, must be it. Like, I liked Sam Elliott, but, yeah, I think that this movie should have been 90 minutes and Absolutely. it's not. Mm. <laughs> if, if it was 90 minutes, it would – if it's 90 minutes, it would be brisk, muscular, fun. Yeah. Kind and of they like would have known in from and the out, script. It's a good time. Like the script, the original script is clearly longer than two hours. Yeah. They should have culled at that stage. So and that there's a lot it's you a can cohesive cut. hole. At two, if it's going to be two hours, it's cohesive. It's not. We shot a three hour movie and we had to cut everything down mm. because that makes those middle bits a little disjointed and yeah, it not makes them, quite it makes them what disjointed it needed to be. Sorry, it, it makes them disjointed and it stops them from being efficient. Yeah. Yeah, and they would have flowed better if it had been a plan to do it that way. True. And, and then it might not have felt like a weird shift in tone. Don't you think as well there's a lot at the front end of this movie that you could cut that I don't think they cut? I think the front half is fine. It's the middle that doesn't sorry, know yeah, where sorry. it's going. Let me re-say the, the first and we're kind of nearing towards the end of the second act, I feel, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like... The first has some bits, but really when we get to the bar, the the new bar, when we get to the new bar to now, I reckon there's a whole lot of business you can cut. But they do the work. Yeah, I think the and bar part fun. is fine. I think it's yeah. they're, they're it's, introducing too many elements that don't need to be yeah. fleshed out the way they are. And also- yeah, elements, I'm in two minds. I feel like I would have loved to live sec- more with Sam Elliott and Doc. You could have le- lived more with Sam Elliott in the bar. Like yeah. if, if that's what your problem is, if yeah. that's how you'd fixed it in the script, you would have melded all of those things together. The thing is the first, what's it called? First act. act. <laughs> the first act and the third act are great. There's action and it's fun and it's wacky and it's this stuff is happening. And then the second act is like all these mini scenes and trying to do too much with yeah. not enough space and because expand, it's not ex- meant to be a two hour and movie. And expand the world. And, but also the, the problem is, is that we focus, we're focused on the bar and in the longer cut, we then go wider to tell the story of this town. Right. Yeah. And then we come back and then we kind of like focus back in at, at the end. Right. Yeah. And so what happens here instead is we spend all this time in the bar. It's a great time. We get all these chopped and changed stuff that kind of doesn't really connect and doesn't really land, but hints at a larger story that is never really expanded on. Mm. And then we get the end. Yeah, you're right. It's almost like when he calls Sam Elliott the first time, Sam Elliott could have been brought in then and cut that. They in. also mm. like that conversation lasts for like, 
30 seconds. So unneeded. It's, it feels like it was probably a longer scene that got trimmed down. Yeah. But they need to keep they need to keep in the fact that he calls Sam Elliott, but they're using the minimum amount of it to do to do that. Because the scene was also yeah, that it's a scene bit is odd. really like, quick. Why is it he, is odd. He I found him. it cool though, because they're just like they're checking in and he's like he wants to say something but he can't. Yeah, but now you notice it, it definitely feels like it's cut down. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. We're going to keep talking yep, through it, otherwise yep, yep, yep. we'll be here for the rest of our natural lives. <laughs> so Doc has got to go to work in a couple hours, so she's going to go get some sleep. I'll get all the sleep when I, I need when I'm dead, which is, I realise is... Keen's uh, life philosophy. I say that, mm. and I think maybe I got it from this movie. <laughs> what is with me and deriving life philosophy from movie set in bars? Mm, I think... Because uh, <laughs> cocktail is a massive influence on me. Is it? Cognan's law. Okay. Yes. That's a reference you'll get when you see the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> Beer is for breakfast. Uh-huh. Drink will be gone. I think that's just an Australian thing. <laughs> Dalton and Wade are hanging out in his spot as the Deuce and Cody are going off. And then- Fuck, I love this. Sorry, just to briefly on the band. I love how this feels like the entrance into the third act because the band are just like the tone of the music is, they, is a certain thing. They're kind of a, they're kind of, but not kind of a Greek chorus. They're with us all the way through. Interesting. I don't think that the songs are particularly directly tied to the plot, but they're definitely there the whole time to set a mood. Yeah, a mood. that's so true. Yeah. A Greek chorus. I love that. Frank in his office hears sirens because Red's place across the street is on fire. Dalton runs towards it and it explodes. It's a wild explosion. There is a shockwave. Yeah. Whoever the stunty is that is covering, that is doubling Patrick Swayze gets knocked over by the explosion. And then they cut to Swayze just standing up, <laughs> still standing, like he was never knocked over. Oh, like you see the stunty get knocked over you by see the, the blast stunty wave. get knocked over by the blast wave, and they just ignore it because this is a wide shot. So you don't, unless you're paying attention, you don't really see. You don't really see. Oh, it. I got to watch it again. There's a shockwave in that explo- in that explosion. The the explosions in this movie are fucking massive. Yeah. Oh, well, there's one later that's great as well. <laughs> yeah. Red pulls up in his truck. He wasn't in there. Inside the deuce, Wesley orders a drink. Don gives Ernie the nod to serve it, and he's holding court with his boys talking shit about the fire. F-word slow. Mm, hard mm. F-word slow. Yeah, in Wesley's speech. Denise wants to dance. This scene's get. This is another scene that gets a little gets a little yeah. on the lurid and, and sleazy side. It was very peculiar scene. Wesley yells for Elvis to play something with balls. He's talking about Cody. Yeah. And he complies. She ends up going up on stage and putting on a show, and Don tries to get her to come down. She just gets undressed down to her, her lace yeah. underwear. She kisses him as he takes her off the stage and he takes her back to Wesley. If you're going to have a pet, keep it on a leash, which is just not a cool line. Yeah. yeah. The but way, like, like I said, the way she's treated is not. Yeah. Is not yeah. And maybe, okay, here's the thing. Maybe in the longer version of the movie. It would make there's sense. An there's an arc. Yeah, interesting. But it's not. She's just treated like a fucking penthouse pet the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Wesley calls for Jimmy who stares down the bounces and shows off his skills with a pool cue. So Asking weird. for a fight. It's a bit of a weird flex. Yeah. It's like, it's not that impressive. Oh my God. If you're one of the bar patrons at this point and like the like rivals, who are, whoever they are, like pull out a pool cue and start like flexing on the D floor. You're sitting there going, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> bar. Yeah. What the fuck didn't are we doing? That, didn't know there was going to be a stage show. <laughs> yeah. Um, didn't think this was dinner theater. Yeah. Dalton nods, letting his boys know that they can engage. <laughs> 
then Wesley's goons just start like throwing shit and breaking stuff and yeah. Dalton and, and Wade uh, fight back. Jimmy calls out Wade and they fight with Jimmy about to win when Dalton stops him. They exchange some, some blows and then a gunshot rings out. It's Wesley calling time and then Wesley and his goons and his goons leave. We also see a um, flip up onto a stage at one point with the pool cue uh, that is like, put under the dude, the big dude's body and used as like a pole vault to yeah. flip up onto the stage. We do. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> then we get a kind of like a strange scene, which again feels like an orphan from plots that were condensed. At Red's house, he's packing up to leave town and other local business people and Dalton are trying to get him to stay, but he's out. He's had enough and no one can stop Wesley. Yeah. And then he's around for the rest of the movie, so he doesn't actually leave town. Yeah. He's just getting ready. Mm, okay. <laughs> He's got a pack. Yeah, things take some time. Okay. Dalton, Doc, and Cody mm. are in Doc's car together. Yeah. Now, I just want you to remember that they, the three of them were in a car together. It's going to seem unimportant right now, but it will be important later. Dalton, Doc, and Cody, and were in Cody a car are together. in a car together. Cody is wearing a yellow print T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, shirt at that point. Just remember it. Okay. Just remember that I said it. Uh-huh. Okay. Forever or? For the rest of time. <laughs> they get stopped near a car yard by one of the other bouncers. Wesley's making an example out of another businessman that is standing up to him. Almost the whole town is there. And again, feels like part of a plot line that was cut out because who is this guy? Yeah, it feels very like unnecessary situation. Unnecessary but they spent so much fucking money on this stunt. That, of course, you're going to use it. you have to use it, right? So Gary drives the Bigfoot through the building. It's a one-take deal with multiple cameras. Cost them half a million dollars. Holy shit. It's very impressive. fucking awesome. But, yeah, the whole time I was thinking, why are you so mad at this guy? Yeah. (laughs) Also, this is broad daylight crime, even if you have the cops on payroll. Yeah, so apparently the sheriff is in on it, but we never meet the sheriff character. They were meant to be a character through the the movie. Um, Yeah, but you really have to be a corrupt cop to be like, yeah. 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 We'll just pretend we didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> you can see that the cars are chained down so that the Bigfoot doesn't get hung up on them. Ah, so they don't move. He smart. can just roll over them. Did not spot that. Yeah, it's pretty great. Wesley and his goons cheer. In the group is a goon that we've never seen before and we'll never see again wearing a blue T-shirt. Yeah. That you guys probably didn't even notice. That is. Yeah. Benny the Jet Yukides. As in Benny and the Jets? <laughs> Stop Get off looking at me like just that. fucking just leave. <laughs> Get out. Benny the Jayukides is a fucking legend. Yeah? Why? I'm gonna tell a little bit about his story. Diversion. Please. Gotta talk about Benny the Jet. I might not get another chance, so I'm just gonna talk about him talk about him now. At the age of twelve in nineteen sixty-four, he was at the Long Beach International Karate Championships where Bruce Lee demonstrated the one inch punch. Hectic. So he was there as a small child and it made him fall in love with martial arts. And much like Bruce Lee, he was an MMA guy before MMA existed. Yeah, right. He won karate championships in both point karate and full contact uh, competition. He fought in Japan in mixed mixed style tournaments, like brutal mixed style tournaments. He won kickboxing and Muay Thai titles. He fought in underround cash money prize fights. Fuck yeah. His professional record is 49-1-1. Holy shit. Yeah. His unprofessional record is better than that. Holy shit. Yeah, he only has one loss. One loss, one loss, one draw, a couple of no contests in like actual real competition. After he retired from professional fighting. So do you know about the Gracie challenge? No. So the Gracie family are the Brazilian jiu-jitsu family that are very connected to the beginning of UFC. 
uh, one of the Gracie members won the first UFC tournament. He was the guy that grappled everybody and everybody was like, what the fuck is grappling? We don't yeah, know what to do with right. it. So the Gracie challenge was that they could beat anybody. So they challenged Benny the Jet Ukiers repeatedly. Yeah. And Benny the Jet was like, I'm good, I'm retired. Yeah, man. But I think that Benny the Jet could have taken could have taken him. Fuck. They wild. wanted to beat him because they wanted to beat him because his reputation was so high that they were one of the guys he they wanted to topple. Yeah. And he never engaged with them. He retired from fighting and worked on movies, mostly training actors, but occasionally in front of the camera. He's in some Jackie Chan movies. He fights Jackie Chan. Fuck. In Wheels on Deals and in Dragons Forever. I can't. I have no Wheels idea on, who you're sorry. talking about. Wheels on Meals and Dragons Forever. Got that title wrong, and I do not want to get that title wrong. Yeah. He was John Cusack's kickboxing trainer in the 1980s, and Cusack name drops him in Say Anything. He talks about kickboxing being the wave of the future and the, how he wants to be like, you know, being the Jet Yukidis, blah, 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 blah. Hectic. When he's talking to Diane's father, he plays Felix Lapubelle, a hitman sent to kill John Cusack in Gross Point Blank. Hey. He's the guy that John Cusack kills with a pen. Oh. We, Kira and I watched that movie recently. That movie is on the list. I'm guaranteed okay. you've never heard of that movie. Gross yeah. Point Blank. Sounds so fucking amazing. It's on the list. Don't worry about it. You'll see it. Um, and... He plays a referee in the movie Dickstown that we will definitely be talking about at some point. And he trained Swayze to develop a personalized fighting style for this movie. Awesome. So now I get to the answer to does Swayze do his own, do his own fights? He does a lot of his own stuff, yes. There you go. Thank you. And this is his whole role in the movie. That's wild. He's just a laughing henchman in is one he, scene. Is he cut out or? No, he's not cut out. He just is not in the movie because he's wow. not an actor. He's just Swayze's personal martial arts trainer for this movie. And I don't, I don't think like his name's even in the credits. Wow. They just needed a body for the scene? He's just on set, so they just put him in the scene to make him a henchman. Make him Fair henchman. enough. It's just like, it's like a cameo. It's like yeah. an Easter egg cameo for people like me because I fucking recognize That's that mad. dude. Even as a child, I knew that that was Benny the Jet. Really? Yes. That's sick. Because I know him. Because he's one of my stunt guys that I know from everything. It's crazy to think that even without the internet, you could have that level of fanaticism and know about people like that at that, that time. And my dad knew who he was. Yeah. Wild. Okay. Right. Because he was a legend in martial arts stuff. My dad was super into martial arts stuff. Yeah. Right. Back with the movie. How's the line? He's a drifter when she's like, Oh, don't do this. And, and uh, Brad's like, you're with a drifter. How about you stop being with a drifter and we can talk. Yeah. He's like fucking 60 years old. He tells her to tell him to leave town or he's going down. Yeah. The town elders, that's what I'm calling this collection of old yep. dudes, Red, nice. who, yeah, I thought was leaving Frank and others, that this is his town. And, yeah, this stuff just kind of, this is where things just kind of go on forever. Kira's right. Dalton's getting his poisons out in the barn by beating <laughs> the shit out of a bag. Wade shows. You're all fucked up, aren't you, kid? Yeah. Uh, and he wants to mount up and get out of Dodge, but Dalton is staying. And Wade presses the point, and they almost come to blows. Yeah. There is a lot of shit in this in this half of the movie yeah. that could be cut out. Fuck you, right? Yeah, like he's looking across the river. Doc comes over and they have a fight. Dalton has kind of lost his cool. Someone needs to stop Wesley, and it's going to be him. Fred Wesley picked me, and when he did, he fucked up. I'm only good at one thing, Doc. I never lose. What never. are you going to win? I love that. I'm the hero of this movie. I don't lose. Yeah, I've never I'm lost. Just flat out saying it. <laughs> Business starts to kind of pick back up a little bit here. As she's yelling at him, the end of her, her like outline for her argument ends with a house exploding behind yeah. her. Yeah. 
Which is actually like, can you imagine being the guy that has to time that? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Fuck, that explosion is massive. The, too. Yeah, the explosion. So Emmett's house is ablaze. Yeah. Dalton. Ellie fucking, and I were very concerned about Emmett at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Dalton fucking parkours off a roof and and mantles over a truck to get In to the house. In one shot, hey. Yeah. yeah. It's a stunt guy. Uh, Patrick Swayze can't do that with that knee. Oh, yeah. Good point. He runs in and drags Emmett out as the house blows up again. Wesley was watching <laughs> and goes back inside. Dalton asks Emmett if he's all right. And he says, I'll be fine if you get off of me. Yeah, Emmett's fucking funny as fuck. I love that Brad's watching from across the river as well at this point. Just fully dressed He's at always night. watching. He's fu- just fully dressed like in like Isn't he got a fucking wear. hat and an ascot in this thing? <laughs> <laughs> You're at home, dude. Relax. <laughs> Jimmy Reno on a dirt bike gives himself away by riding away laughing maniacally. <laughs> the best laugh ever, That's too. not a good laugh. <laughs> I have to say, like... I'm not really impressed with Jimmy Reno. Nah, not at all. Although he gets a moment in a second. Um, Dalton chases him and tackles him off the bike and they fight. It's an okay fight. It, it's And it's really them, quite a lot of it. You're right though. It is okay. It's an okay fight. Yeah. It's just not show. There's nothing kind of impressive or showy about it. The hits it's just don't a solid, feel heavy. It's just a solid fight. And they do the thing in this movie a couple of times where they crack something, but mm. then it's like it doesn't it's affect fine. the person. Yeah, I hate yeah. that. Yeah. I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> that is a fucking great line though. Like, you do you dude, but too much information. <laughs> yeah, but that is that is a fucking line and a half. Yeah. Yeah. What was yeah. your Yeah. Um, <laughs> my reaction was Brody's gonna have a reaction to this line. But like, it's, You anticipate it does, the Brody of it all. Yeah. The line is like, it does so many things. Like, is he trying to be intimidating? We get to find out like what this person is. Is he like not being intimidating and just like giving us a little too much information? It's just a fucking line that just throws a hell of a th- lot of things into your mind when you hear that. It confused me as a small boy. <laughs> uh, that's great. You have to remember that I am approaching this movie with the mind of a child. Yeah. Also, when he gets hit with the fucking log, when Dalton gets hit with the log in this fight, I'm like, it just kind of dawned on me that after each one of these fights, he should have been down for days because he just like gets bloodied every single fight. Yeah, him. and he just gets back up. He doesn't feel pain. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I forgot. Pain don't hurt. Pain don't hurt none. And then the end of the fight is an all-time schoolyard discussion point. Oh, yeah. This movie, exists on, this movie exists on VHS. All us kids see it. And then we tell all our friends about this movie where a man rips out another man's throat with his bare hands. Was this the first of its kind? It's the first time that I had seen that. Because that, that's like a... That's like a karate move. It's kind now. of like a kung fu movie move. Yeah. So you might have seen that in the in a kung fu movie from the 1970s, but you very or or even the 80s, but you didn't see it in western cinema. Yeah. It's right. the first time I remember seeing a man's throat get ripped out by another man's bare hands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doc has run up just at the correct moment to see the bloody climax of the fight. Yeah. And she she goes see- she didn't see him pull a gun. No. She just sees the throat ripped and goes, fuck you. She also just runs straight past. She's a doctor. So she runs straight past Dalton and goes to Jimmy to make sure that he's, yeah, that he's I like, okay. That. Well, he dead. He dead. Jimmy dead. You just gave your girlfriend PTSD. Yeah. And then she walks away from him. <laughs> kind of fairly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean- that's a At scary this point, situation. I don't think it's going to work out. Like, at this point, she has every right to just be like, no, nah, I'm good, fam. Like, I don't want, like, 
I'm not going to make a moral judgment on you, but I don't want any of you. You know what yeah. I mean? I think she needs to make a moral judgment in this moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'm saying even if you don't make a moral judgment on him, yeah. you can make you can a smart decision away. to walk away. Yeah. And Dalton doesn't even in that moment is so, you know, hot-blooded. He mm. doesn't even react to the fact that, he, he, you know, his love has been disgusted by him and walks away. He just drags Jimmy's corpse into the into the river yeah, to send it back us. to Wesley and yells, Wesley, fuck you. It's kind of about us. Is the throat ripping part of why this movie is so widely known? Yes. It's a as I said, it's the schoolyard discussion point. Right. It's the water cooler moment. Right, right, right. right did you right. see that fucking crazy Patrick Swayze movie? Yeah. yeah that, that dirty dancing dude ripped a guy's throat out. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, that makes dirty sense. Dirty dancing ripped a guy's throat out. That's something to fucking hear. Because you have to think about who he is in the cultural moment. Yeah. He's the, interesting. He's, he's the tough dancer with a heart of gold from yeah, Dirty Dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a bad boy, but he ain't a bad yeah, person. If if you only knew him from that and then you just heard and his and his does, hit signal, she's like the wind. You would be <laughs> confused. I don't know that song. I, I, we'll cut it in for you. <laughs> Thank you. Here's the thing. I unironically love that song. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cheesy and so 80s, but I legitimately like that song. Uh, I'm I'm going to go listen to it. Just a We meet back with Swayze in his casual gay. I didn't notice the casual gay. I, I, I didn't notice it now, but I yeah, did notice it earlier. It definitely yeah. did. Don drives his Merc up to the deuce. The phone's ringing and it's Wesley. Top of the morning to you. Here's what's on for the day, which I like as a villain <laughs> line. Uh, that is a great line. I miss that line. Fuck. Wait on the dock. One of them dies today. Choose. Don tells him that he's sick. Wesley's just going to have to flip a coin to decide. Wade stumbles into the bar, beat up, and Dalton tells Wade to sit down and have a beer while he goes and gets to the dock. Wesley's one, they're getting the fuck out of here. And then at the hospital, he just tries to manhandle her out the door and says, we're leaving. And she's like, i got a fucking life here, dude. Yeah, but also, like, he leaves her. Like, isn't it like one or the other dies? You're going to, like, she's got to come with you. Explain the situation. <laughs> There's <laughs> been a threat against your life. You need to come with me now. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't say shit. Or... The more classic, come with me if you want to live. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Different movie. Yeah. Back of the deuce, Wade is sleeping on a bar and doing the eternal sleep because he has a knife in his chest. It yeah. was tails. So sleeping on a bar is something that you see in movies and TV shows. Ever, any of y'all ever done it? I've slept at a bar. Yeah, I've slept at a bar yeah, plenty of like times. It seems like a strange thing because you have to be awake enough to climb onto the bar in the first place. That's exactly what... No, no, no. Sorry. Awake enough not to fall off the bar while you're asleep. Also that. Yeah. And have you ever had those sleeps where it's like, I might fall, you know, yeah, like you're never you really asleep. Yeah, if you roll at all, you're <laughs> falling off, yeah. Is it, so is it the thing? I don't think it's a thing. I've, I've gotten to a point now where I've come to these recordings to ask you if things that I see in movies are real or fiction. That's what I've gotten to now. Probably mostly fiction because they're more comfortable places to lie down in a bar. Right, and it's probably just so they can be in camera. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this was sad because we like... Yeah, we, we just like derail. The, we're talking about the death of Sam Elliott, and you just derail us into do men sleep on bars? <laughs> <laughs> I did not even realize. Yeah, sorry, it, it is sad. You weren't sad. You didn't have a. Aw. 
Well, it's okay. He's in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, and I also got to see him with a top knot, and I was like, "Bonus! Anything that happens from this point on is fine." Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, Pat, Tinker, and O'Connell are all waiting for him as the Merc speeds towards them at the Wesley compound. They fire at it, and it keeps on coming. We get a classic pipe flip mm. with hey. big with big air too, like massive air. An explosion midway. Gary fires his shotgun at the car while it's rolling over and makes it explode in in midair. That's neato. It is fucking cool. But Dalton wasn't it. Yeah. It's a ruse. Yep. The pedals jammed down with the knife that had previously been in Sam Elliott's chest. Oh, I forgot. To, I left out the part where, like, he pulls the knife out and it's, like, clearly, like, super, he has, like, a super emotional moment where he steals himself and pulls the knife out of Sam Elliott's chest. Yeah. Yeah, I nice kind of stepped on that. Moment. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Do men sleep on bars? <laughs> Brody with the important questions. Welcome to Weird Kid Video. Every week, Brody asks stupid fucking what the questions. Fuck, about do I do at emotionally inappropriate times? <laughs> we cut to okay. This is again movies cut to shreds, right? We cut to Gary stalking around the house with his shotgun, trying to find Dalton, and Dalton's already taken out Morgan and O'Connor off camera. They're just cut out of the movie. Yeah. Also, I love that he's like this Zen Buddhist and he loses one person and now he's just going to fucking kill he's gonna do many, everyone. Many murders. Yeah. Like, when, but not the murder that he should do. Yeah. But when we were like walking through the house, I'm like, is he like knocking these people out? And then we get to a certain point where it's clear that he's not knocking these people out. I'm like, oh, he's straight up killing every single one of these people. As a bouncer, he's just become Rambo. John Wick kills everybody because somebody hurt his dog. But he's an assassin. And they stole his car. He's an assassin, not a fucking cooler. (laughs) No? Okay. Plot. (laughs) Don gets the drop on Gary, stabs him with his own knife, and then uses him as a human shield as Pat fires a shotgun at him from the balcony, which is a nice move. And then he pulls the knife out of Gary and throws it, killing Pat. Pat does a nice little uh, flip over the balcony. Gun question. Gun question. And I know you know a lot about guns. I am a gunsmith. <laughs> um, I don't know. How effective are shotguns from far away? Like, I don't... No, they're... I, you always see it in movies. Close. As, well, they're close range. They're close range. Is that range. considered it's a, it's close a scatter. range? It's a scanner weapon. Okay. I don't, don't know work, guns. They don't work at a distance. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, it's kind of like at least 10 meters away. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cut that, cut that, cut that, cut Wesley is surveying the damage as Tinker is running around in the trophy room. The trophy room freaked me out as a kid. The trophy that's room. That many, like, and also it comes out, we don't set up the trophy room. Yeah, it's just kind of sudden. Feels also, like we should have set up the trophy room, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, this guy must be going on safari all the fucking time. When is he there to set up businesses? Because there are a shit ton of animals yeah. in that trophy room. Well, he probably doesn't shoot them himself. He probably just buys them. Yeah. Why is it a trophy room then? I don't know. <laughs> Tinker is taken out by a falling polar bear. So bizarre. They're made for each other. And then Wesley enters the trophy room. The only thing that's missing from the trophy room is Dalton's ass. Oh, that line. I really thought he was going to say head. Yeah, well, same. Well, it makes more sense, although we have seen the butt. Yeah. yeah but you wouldn't mount it to your wall. See, I think, the, I think the, the cheeks. I think the reading was the only thing that's missing from this trophy room is your ass. Kira just, Kira just faded into oblivion. <laughs> on the I side of the that. Desk. Damn it. She's just head down. I made my choice. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. See, that I can see as being a little too homoerotic. He monologues as he searches for Dalton, and then Dalton jumps him but gets shot 
old man fight scene. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I think the fact that he's already had to take out a bunch of dudes, he's kind of injured and he gets shot in the arm it, is it the plays. justification for it being an even fight. Because Ben Gazzara uses is weapons no, and stuff as well. Yeah, and Ben Gazzara is no specimen to male vitality at this point in his life. Yeah, and he definitely had, we have that scene prior where he's throwing punches that seem to yeah. have some hit. And he yeah. cheats. He throws spears at him. Yeah. I get and that then it uses plays. another one to kind of beat Dalton away and pulls another gun. Yeah. I think that they do enough work that I'm okay with it. Yeah. Right? I, I, I 100% was as well. I was just suggesting merely as like, well, it would have made some, not a super young person, but a younger. Dalton knocks him down onto a lounge and is about to rip his throat out. Throat rip hand. Stops himself because he won't kill again. Doc runs in. From where? The whole yeah. town fucking doc, runs in. Yeah, it's a little doc, unclear. Where did Doc come from? How did Doc know that he was there? What yeah. the fuck is happening? I understand some movie. I understand convenience, but why is, cut why is she even there? I feel like there was definitely like a call. I'm going to go do this. And then they tried to stop him and he's like, no, I'm going to go do it Or anyway. he left a note or what, yeah. something, whatever. Something got cut. Wesley, of course, goes to shoot Dalton in the back and boom, red. Mm-hmm. Boom, Emmett. Boom, random guy whose roles were cut out. It's the kayak boom. guy. Yeah, he's boom, actually out someone of, else. He's actually out of focus for his shot. The kayak <laughs> guy is out of focus because uh-huh. he's not important. This is our town, and don't you forget it. So they just shotgun. Just just a uh, collaborative murder that they're all going to cover up. Yeah, because yep. siren sound, Red collects everybody's guns. Yeah. And nobody saw nothing, not even Tinker. It's like- A polar bear fell on me. Yeah. <laughs> i tell you what's fucked up. See, the fun comes back. Yeah. Yeah. See, this part is good. But I tell yeah. you what's fucked up. I reckon Swayze could have done nothing and these old business owners were probably going to take care of shit anyway. Yeah. Like I it mean, seems they really like they wanted, had a plan. They really wanted to have this guy gone. So yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. He could have left town. <laughs> shit would have been handled, mate. Yeah. And all those Him poor henchmen who were just trying to earn money didn't have to die. Him and Sam Elliott could be sipping beers on a beach in Mexico. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they could be bar rescuing somewhere else. Exactly. And then we get Cody jamming one more time at the deuce. Uh-huh. Wait. <laughs> Let me, please. Yes, please. I'll I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> and then we see Dalton run and dive naked into a pool where Doc is already swimming nude. Did you notice someone sitting on the bank? Yes. No. Cody is sitting on the bank playing his guitar. Because this scene was totally fucking taken from earlier when they were in the the car car together together. and put at the end of the movie so that they have a final scene together where they're in love because I don't think this movie had a fucking ending. Dude, I literally have a point. So she just forgave him for killing all those people then? Yeah, because she she left. Yeah, she didn't give a fuck about his, like, morals or any of this business shit. She just didn't want people to die. Given her behavior in the movie, there is no way they fucking end up together at the end. There's every way a studio goes, no, 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 no. They've got to be together at the end of the movie. So they take a skinny dipping scene from earlier where Cody is hanging out. He's blind, right? Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. Hanging out because because Patrick Swayze runs straight past him, swinging his dick around, yeah. and dives into the water. So they just took it from earlier. He's wearing the same yellow shirt as when he's in the jeep oh, when they're at the car. Great working. It's what I'm here for. It's <laughs> what I live for. <laughs> that and my wife, the life that we're building together. Yeah, but well, also the fucking roadhouse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I almost did it. And then we roll credits on on 
Roadhouse. Yeah. That was one experience. Yeah. So did all of this happen because he fired Dalton's nephew? Because Dalton fired his nephew? Yeah, and then he also the woman and mm-hmm. that he also had an obsession with, and yeah, it seems like I think they were on a collision. <laughs> I think they were on a collision course because they were both he wasn't big, part of the businesses big as well. Dicks in the town, and yeah, 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 yeah. It just seems like an like an over overreaction. It seems like like he maybe he left. could have just chilled out and been like, yeah, okay, well, I'll get my nephew a different job, but grift. Yeah. Power and grift. An appropriate age to have seen <laughs> Roadhouse. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it is R-rated in Australia. Mostly, mostly for the nudity and the throat ripping, I would assume. What was the cover say? Appropriate for me. I probably could have watched uh, this around. Very frequent violence is the guidance for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Appropriate for me, I probably would have, could have watched this around 11 to 13. An appropriate age is probably... 15. Yeah, I think especially like in modern lens. It needs some explaining. Yeah, it needs some explaining, especially if you're younger. So I think, yeah, sort of a sort of a 15, 16 is going to have sort of a what bit more What do you think needs world. explaining? It needs context. It needs context you, for the behaviour in this movie. If you're a parent of a child and you're watching this movie with them, you need to explain to them that there's some things in it that are kind of shitty behaviour. You ready? You were three years old. I was Nine. I was eight when I saw this movie. Fucking pretty spot on. Yeah. I was an eight-year-old. That is not surprising. Well, no wonder you were fine. confused by bits. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fine. I think you, particularly because you watched it with your dad, I think it's fine. My dad provided no social commentary of any kind. But I think that's because you in particular probably didn't need it. He was like, isn't it cool that the guy's throat got ripped out? Yeah. <laughs> it's also in context of the time. Yes. Yeah. When Cain was eight, it was the 90s. 1990. Would you watch this movie again of your own free will? Yes, definitely. To find my own free will. If you put it on, I wouldn't make you turn it off. Yeah, fair enough. I could, like, if this movie is on, odds are I'm sitting down and be like, oh, Roadhouse. Yeah. Or, and now with the context of knowing what a roadhouse is. Yeah. But like also if there's just like if it's if I see it on Netflix and like I have popcorn in the cupboard, like this is one of those movies where like you're just like, this is a fucking good time. Yeah. Again, there's probably things that would win out over this, but I could see myself doing it. Yeah, I'll watch this movie again. There is a sequel to this movie that I did not mention. Huh. But it's a director video sequel that was made in the early two thousands. Not Swayze though. No. It's like somebody playing Dalton's son. Oh, no. I've never seen it. It's one of those, like, oh, Roadhouse is a movie that is still popular, and so let's make a knockoff sequel and release it on DVD into video stores and see what happens. Yeah. There's lots of movies like that. Rating for Roadhouse, the way that we rate movies, is on a five-star scale, with one being I hated this movie, two being I did not like this movie, two and a half being there were parts of this movie I liked, it was fine, three being I liked this movie, four being I loved this movie, five being this is one of my favourite movies of all time. I think it's a bit of a surprise what I'm going to rate this, but I think just a three. There are more than just a few bits of this movie that I like, but... I don't think it's a four or a five. I enjoyed it more than other movies that I've like given really good ratings to, but I just, it's not my typical movie, you know? Yeah. Are you glad that you've seen Roadhouse? Fuck yeah. I, I really loved watching this movie. Right. I didn't love the, the movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. 2.5. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. I liked parts of it. Um, I did originally have it written as a three, but in, Again, retrospect of the actual rules of the numbers. Yeah, 2.5 fits better because I liked parts of it 
I think this is another example of a movie that's not really for me. I actually was kind of, I think I was disappointed because I expected it to be more for me. Because oh, based really? on the sort of what I knew of the plot, I thought I would I would fall for Patrick Swayze's character and I didn't. Like he was cool, but I wasn't like rooting for him the way I sometimes do for these kinds of characters. So I was expecting to be more on the movie side the than I was. The funny thing is, is I thought this was more of like a steamy romance mixed with like gritty bar fights. I thought he was going to be more of a character, more of a heart of gold, more of a someone that I would be worried about and care for. Yeah. And I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, you're the good guy, but I had higher expectations for it. He also feels impervious. You know what I mean? He yeah. feels like he can't be hurt at all. Yeah, there's a little bit of that too. Yeah. Would you? Would your rating have been higher if it didn't have the kind of hacked up second act and yeah, maintained the sure. fun if it didn't have the turn towards seriousness? Yeah, I think if it maintained, because I liked the first bit and I liked the end bit, that's the parts that I liked. Yeah. <laughs> but- I, see, I loved some of the serious bits, but I definitely think if it stayed more fun, I think it just, I would give it a higher I think rating. it just loses, the problem is, is it loses all its fun. Yeah. Like there's just a stretch where it's just not a fun movie anymore. It's yeah. just a melodrama that, whereas the fun is like trashy, poppy yeah. Yeah, yeah, violence, yeah. Is, it's a good time with gags and stuff and one-liners, and then yeah. it just gets real serious. I think know. you bring Sam Elliott into this movie in the first act for and, me, uh, oh, the and end of, it end would of, be a five. Yeah. You, bring it into the, you bring him <laughs> in at the end of the first act, and you keep the vibe fun. Yeah. And yes, it, it needs to go towards, it needs to turn towards murder, and yeah, you still need to justify him ripping a man's throat out with his bare hands, Yeah, doing that thing that he had done before, but you can still keep it more fun than it is. I'm a three and a half. Yeah. Because- I really like this movie and I love parts of this movie. Yeah, you know what? Same as kind of same as last week with Bad Taste where I don't love the movie, but it's a but it's a good time. I think I always forget this turn towards seriousness. Yeah. When I put on Roadhouse, it's because I want to have a good time and I think that I re- always really enjoy the first hour and then I remember that the movie has this weird turn and I like uh, so it's a three and a half. You know what? I want to bump mine up to a three and a half because I still don't love it, but there are bits that I do love. You always forget that you can do a half of something. Yeah, I do. I do. Moving on to next week. The way that we pick movies is that Kira and Brody alternate taking turns from a selection of three choices I prepared from the store. This week is Brody's pick. (gasps) I forgot. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so excited. (laughs) You always forget whose turn it is. If a movie remains unpicked for three times on the list, it is struck out and taken off the list, although I can bring it back at a later date of my choosing. Still on the list from last week. Do I have two newbies? You get two new choices. Yeah. <gasps> That's exciting. It's always fun when you get more choices, not I just know. one. I know. Still on the list from last week, Drive, starring Mark oh, DeCostos. Right. Oh my God, I forgot about this. With one strike. Fuck, I want to watch this. For me... Like if I went to like a friend's or a cousin's house and I saw this on their shelf, I'd be like, let's watch that movie. This is definitely a, I'm walking through a video store. I spot this title and I go, Ooh, yeah, this one. Yeah. You haven't seen this. Yeah. We get this. There's one. an explosion on the cover, two people that would be cool in an action movie and a title with like a bullet hole through it. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> and new on the list. First up, we have the returning Dolph Lundgren in The Punisher. Oh, my God. I've heard so much about this. The R-rated Punisher movie from 1990. If society won't punish the guilty, he will. Shot in Sydney, Australia. Fuck, that's going to be a hard choice. 
Yeah, it is going to be a hard choice. It's going to be a third choice. Mm. Also in The Punisher, Lewis Gossett Jr. Oh, fuck. I thought I saw a familiar face in the back of that cover. Chappy. Yeah, this looks kind of brutal. Your final choice, sir. Mm. I present to you The Hidden. The Hidden. A new breed of criminal. It killed 37 people, robbed six banks, two liquor stores, a record shop, and stole two Ferraris. Now the fun starts. It just took over their police station. Holy fuck. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Brody is now looking at the back cover of The Hidden. So is this an alien movie that is a bank robber? What's going on here? Is this a Predator ripoff? I feel like The Hidden is one of those movies where I need to tell you as little as possible. You're either going to buy in from the cover or you're not because I want you to experience The Hidden the way that people experience The Hidden when the movie came out. This is going to be a tough choice for you, bro. Yeah, I really stacked the deck against you. Fuck, man. Weigh in, Kira. I got nothing to help you here, (sighs) man. I have no idea what I would pick and I don't have a particular, like, don't want you to pick this one or do want you to pick that one. I'm guessing the guy in this photo is not the guy from Twin Peaks. No, it is. That is, in fact, Carl McLaughlin yeah. from Twin Peaks. Is it really? <laughs> I thought he just looked the same. How, do you, how did you know that it was? You don't know Twin Peaks. Uh, embarrassingly, also, I know him from Desperate Housewives and I know that You mean Sex in the City? Sex in the City. That's the one. I get them confused. And for those playing along, Twin Peaks, drink. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can we go an entire episode without mentioning Twin Peaks? Or, no. Or, or John Wick. Or John I'm Wick a lot so Brody, make a decision. Oh, my God. I think I'm just definitely going to have to go drive just because, I mean, it's a action hero movie with the chairman being fucking balls to the wall insane and it's in the future of 2008. I mean, that's going to be a fun time to make fun of. <laughs> right? Yep. I'm in. Excellent. Drive it is. Is there going to be uh, crazy technology that does not exist in 2008? Mark Dacoscos is a crazy technology that does not exist in 2008. Also, who's Kadeem Hardison? I feel like I know him. He's very good in this movie, but I don't really know him from other things. His face looks so familiar. Yeah, actually, I thought the same. So join us next week for Drive, or don't join us next week for Drive. I forget how I work. <laughs> no, I forget how the podcast works. You definitely should, though. And again, I still have not got any reviews to tell my deepest and darkest secrets. Know, it's so very upsetting. Don't for like, Brody. don't subscribe. At Weird Kid Video. Don't do anything. Get off the internet. Nah, but we love you. And please come back and listen to us, even if you're outside. And how dare you? What the fuck do you think you're doing? Be oh. nice until it's time not to be nice, Kim. A polar bear fell on me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm returning to the sea. Same. She's like the wind through my trees. Polar bear fell on me. <laughs>